Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, episode 156, Breakfast for Dinner. Sunday brunch on Wednesday evening. We're both here as always. Can you tell who's who? There'll be a quiz at the end of the show. I am the Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, answering your gaming and game night questions and striving to make everyone's gaming experience better. Remember, we record live Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash tabletopbellhop. All right, so we're in the midst of the yearly holiday sale madness, and I didn't really have time to prep a full episode or write up a review. So what we decided to do this week is steal our usual unscripted Sunday brunch format and use it on a Wednesday night. So tonight, expect some unscripted discussion on geek and gaming topics. No review tonight, but I did get in some gameplays last Friday before everything went a little crazy, and we will be talking about them in the Bellhops Tabletop segment. Welcome to the Suggestion Box. Here we highlight some of our interactions with you fine folks, both positive and negative. First up, some comments on our Magistra of Alchemy hero set for the Aventuria unboxing. Andre Thanhauser writes, The Alchemy hero is actually one of my four favorite characters from all the 15 which exist so far. 15. Wow, we have some boxes to open still. <laughs> Indeed. Interesting that my other three favorites are all from the base set. Maybe that's not that absurd, as all the four base characters mechanically show extremes, while all the other characters, mostly mechanically, are just some twists. Concerning the theme, it's quite the opposite. While the base characters are very generic, a lot of the newer ones are very special. Okay. Nevertheless, the Alchemist is a great combination of light to medium spells and missile weapons on top of the various potions and other equipment. Not that the pomegranate is a weapon, but a red card is a direct one-time use, which makes sense for a grenade. And Eric Simon writes, Definitely my fave of the new heroes. I will be curious to hear what you think. Yeah, so the pomegranate is a reference to when I was doing the unboxing. I saw this one card and I'm like, oh my god, that seems ridiculous. Well, at the time, I probably didn't notice it was a red card. I would have to assume when we're playing, we're pretty used to watching for that and I would have caught that. So it's not over the top for a red card. is pretty actually normal for Adventuria. Well, thanks, Andre and Eric, for both of those comments. Um, so far, I have not tried out the new character yet, though it is the on deck. But first, we need to go back and actually finish Forest of No Return and win, because as I mentioned in the review, we failed. And we still haven't decided if we're going to cheat and continue where we failed or if we're going to go back to the beginning, but we do still have to do it to actually officially finish that one off as complete. Now, hearing the praise for this alchemist, though, I actually have me wondering... And I'm kind of excited to try this new hero. Maybe we should play through the Magistra of Alchemy first and then go through Force No Return using that character. That might be worth doing because then I'll get an extra try besides just one short one. So that might be what we might do and use the new hero in Force of No Return. Oh, I hate giving up Arbosh, my dwarf. <laughs> Well, speaking of Forest of No Return, Martin Voss commented on our review to say the Forest of No Return sounds like the second big adventure for ODM, the Dutch, Dutch translation of DSA, that this card game is also based on. Nice to see they're sticking to the classic names. Well, thanks, Martin. Uh, sometime in the past, we were told that all of these adventure adventures are actually based on classic Dark Eye adventures, so that makes perfect sense. But I do wonder what ODM stands for in Dutch, because I know it's it's the Dark Eye here. Now I forget. Dar Swartz Og? Is that what we had learned? We had, we had figured out how to pronounce it, but it's been three weeks. Yeah, no, I, 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 it's Og? Og? Dar Swartz Og? I think it's Og. 
Schwartz, I know I was doing wrong too. It's not just Schwaz. It's like Schwarz. <laughs> Schwarz Og, I think. Yeah, I Og. That I night I had Google put... Google Translate up, but it's been Yeah, yeah, my bad. But I'm wondering, in Dutch, I'm sure we couldn't pronounce that either. Okay. But I just wonder, ODM in some way means the dark eye or the lidless eye, maybe. Well, next, a comment on our surprisingly popular White Star Galaxy Edition review on YouTube. Now, Jay Villanueva commented, I just subscribed to your channel. Thank you for this video. It was really informative. I bought the book and I'm a first time player slash ref. Do you have a video explaining the basics? Well, thanks for the sub, Jay. That's always appreciated. Unfortunately, I don't have any other White Star videos up. Um, now, the thing is, White Star is based on White Box which is based on original Dungeons and Dragons, OD&D, as people like to call it, the original printing of Dungeons and Dragons. And there are lots of other content creators out there that have produced intro to OD&D stuff. If you just look at uh, Gygax D&D, original D&D, or basic D&D, and look for a guide to how to get started in that or info on that, you sh that should be able to help you. It is not something we personally have covered here. All right. Finally, I want to uh, highlight some of the comments on our Guild of Dungeoneering review and giveaway. Now, Todd Mulholland says, this is a fun game with a great sense of humor and wonderful voice acting on behalf of the narrator. Uh, the narrator is one I've always referred to as the bard during the, yes. uh, the reviews. Now, Brand Stoddard adds, I had a great time with this game. And Chris Groff writes, this is a great game for sure. Put lots of time into this. I am very glad to hear people are actually digging this game quite a bit. It actually makes me really glad that we're featuring this and agreed to work with them in the first place. Um, I always wonder if people are going to actually care about non-tabletop content from us. And I'm really glad to see, at least in this case, I think we are on point. I think it's close enough to tabletop. It's tabletop adjacent enough that people are digging it. So speaking of the Guild of Dungeoneering, let's head over to the announcements. Some reminders before we move on to the rest of the show. Now, as noted in the last segment, we are currently hosting a giveaway for two Steam codes for the Guild of Dungeoneering Ultimate Edition, which features all of the Guild of Dungeoneering content that has been released, all the DLC and everything in one big package. There are a lot of fans of this dungeon crawling, tile placement, deck building roguelike, including Mo and I. Head over to the blog at tabletopbellhop.com to enter. Also, thank you, Kevin, for reminding me I didn't reward those of you who joined us live here last week with a bonus code. I promised him I'd make sure to do that tonight, so check the chat room for that code. And finally... Voting is still open in the RPG Geek 24-hour RPG contest, which I'm taking part in for the first time in nine years. Yes, I actually wrote a new game. Head over to the RPG Geek forums to download the 12 entries and get back to Rob with six B's with your vote. Find links to the entries and how to vote in the show notes. Don't worry, we'll put links on the for, for the forum page, the zip file, Rob's link, all of that will be in the show notes. We're normally here to answer your game, gaming or game night questions. So this week, though, we are taking a break. With all the holiday tabletop game sales hitting this week, we didn't actually have time to really do any research required to properly answer a game night question. Yes, we actually do research when we get your questions. So instead, we decided to turn this segment into an unscripted discussion of anything gaming or geeky. And I do welcome the chat to get involved as well, consider it an AMA, or if there's something you want to talk about, or feel free to share your impressions of anything we bring up tonight. 
Absolutely. There is uh, this. We actually missed our normal Sunday brunch. Yes. So in, to some degree, this is uh, a replacement for that. Although we aren't going to go through and do the list of games no. from Spiel this this one that will just uh, put all of our listeners to sleep and generally involves a lot more screen sharing than yes. we do for our podcast episode. Uh, for those of you who do like that kind of content, though, again, we do do that every Sunday now whenever possible. Uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern, where there is uh, chat with the uh, lobby and screen sharing of games and talking about all the hotness or not hotness or fun. <laughs> or <whatever>. not hotness <laughs> or, or dumb bags that shouldn't exist because ripping off people through your Kickstarter because they think they're getting something cool. You can't get cheaper elsewhere. That was a thing. Um that, though, is not here on Twitch. That is over on YouTube. We are doing that show on YouTube uh, just to see if we hit a different audience, get different groups of people, make the YouTube algorithm happy so our other videos get views, whatever. Trying out something a little different over there. So the Sunday brunch, normally you can find Sunday afternoons, 1 p.m. on YouTube, which I think is YouTube slash Tabletop Bellop. Yeah. I'm assuming that's probably what it is. Yep. <laughs> I don't usually type, excuse me, I don't usually type that one in. Yeah, no, we've got more than enough folks to be able to get our own custom uh, custom, custom link URL, after the... Yes. Uh, Thank you for that. And we're always looking for subs, so subs and follows and likes, those are always good things for us. All right, well, what do you have on the topic tonight? Start All off. right, so I want to talk a bit about uh, Geeky TV. So one thing I wanted to ask Sean about, because last week, I think it was mainly during the after show, it was a coffee break, I was talking about Another Life, a um, sci-fi teen romance kind of hard sci-fi uh katie sackoff i don't want to use that term because we're not explicit um <laughs> katie sackoff love fest i think we'll just say and i know you've started it Did i you finished give up it. On it oh i blew I oh you finished it burned through it yeah. um but like i said it's like it's like it's terrible but you keep watching because you want to know where it's going yeah i mean i to be honest i will admit that i really enjoy katie sackoff i really do She's a fun actress. I don't think she's a great actress, but she's really fun. I was going to say. She's really fun to watch. And it's very clear that she was deeply involved in this show. It is a very much highlight Katie Sackhoff show. Um, and, and I'm okay with that. Uh, there were some other fun characters in there as well. I know actually one of the ones you hated, I actually enjoyed. Okay. Um, the, 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 the mean, mean girl. The mean um, girl, yeah, 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 the mean girl drove me nuts. Oh, see, I, and I see, I was enjoying it. I, she didn't last very long. No, actually. She didn't. Um, Spoiler. <laughs> the, Only uh, slight. I don't think we're going to give away like the whole plot or anything. No, no, no. And it, it is greenlit for another season, as far as I know. Oh, it is. I was wondering. It's well, it's because they definitely, definitely not canceled. It up. It's definitely not canceled. Yeah, but they definitely finished the story, as opposed to the difference from season one to season two. Mm -hmm. Even though, like, they there was a huge Chekhov's gun at the end of season two, <laughs> like, like the a huge big ship sized check out yeah, gun that they just never really did anything with. Yeah. It's, it's an odd show. Um, it's not great TV, but it's good binge worthy TV. So if you've got, you know, 20 episodes worth of time, there you go. It's absolutely worth doing, especially if like myself, you're a fan of Katie Sackhoff and Starbuck and, and there, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of Starbuck in it sort of really. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, we just called it Everyone Loves Starbucks. That's that's the sitcom version. What'd you think of the science in it? Because I thought they were at least trying. Uh, they were trying. Um, 
It it seemed more realistic than many other sci-fi shows that just like throw everything to the wind. Like, I, yeah, I found, there's guns and blasters yeah. and, and thrusters and star fights and they kept it pretty minimal. I mean, they they tried to in many ways avoid the science. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. they're I think they they went overboard more than anything with their whole concept of AI. Uh, the AI well, yeah, the, the, AI the issues are is the pretty. That's questionable. Uh, the space stuff, yeah, no, that's fine. I didn't really have any huge problems uh i liked their their warp concepts at least um you know the bubbling concept is is pretty uh prevalent not possible necessarily but at least if everyone everyone sort of figures oh well if we could generate enough energy to to do this bubble thing it'd be a great way to do it uh i i i commented to you at one point the overuse of one particular room on the ship oh yeah Oh my god. Like I don't know. That was like the, the only room the... they had to film in. And but what's really confusing to me is there were a couple of times where they were in that room, but it was green screen. Like yeah. they, they very clearly weren't in that room, even though other times they were. Um so they had a set piece for that room that they worked in, and then I, I don't know, maybe if they had a problem, they got the set got flooded or something, because all of a sudden <laughs> Well, they did point, blow it up a few times. Maybe uh, one of those they actually filmed blowing. Yeah, up. I don't know. Cause at one point it was just like, why are they very clearly green screened in on this room that they use every single episode? Yes. It's it it, it was more overused than the holodeck. Yes. It's yes, there was but uh, no, I absolutely it was fun. All right, the other one I, I feel I have to talk about because we just watched this last night. So it's like hitting nine o'clock at night last night. And um, sure, I planned on taking a break. We're like, we're going to take a couple hours off and then get back to it. So I had actually gone to Shoppers Drug Mart and we had talked about smart food a lot a couple episodes ago. And I was craving smart food. I actually, I was even more craving Doritos. But the price on the Doritos compared to the price on get two for whatever for the smart food, I couldn't get the Doritos. So I got a couple bags of smart food and we sat down and watched Wonder Woman 84. So thank you, uh, May, for lending us that. I'm not sure if you actually want it back or not. And I, I realize, I, I think the, the, the statute of limitations is out on this one. Like, it's been out long enough that we can probably talk about this. But what the heck was that movie? It was horrible. But, Utterly like, what, horrible. What was that? Garbage. What, what did I watch? Just utter garbage. I, and it it's made, part of the problem with Wonder Woman 84 is that Wonder Woman itself, the original, was a really strong yeah. DC movie. Yeah, it was good. I wonder. Like, it, it wasn't without its problems. I mean, it's not perfect, but oh, it was a really May hasn't good, seen it. Oops. <laughs> um, you know, again, it was a really good movie, and then they went and made Wonder Woman eighty four, and the number of problems in that movie. I, I what I was the entire opening scene doing? I, what I, was that for? The I don't know anything about that movie. Why none of it makes sense? It's not. There's there's horrible characterizations. There's horrible animation. There's horrible store plot lines. Like oh my gosh! Like I just like I had heard it was bad, and I was expecting bad. And I wasn't expecting so bad. It's good, but it still like blew away my expectations for just how bad the the I, the, the, the spawns cape lasso that could do everything. The um the 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 villain just uh, gross. Um, what was the other one? The, well, the, the 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 80s when they first showed the 80s i'm like okay you can do a period piece right or you can do a period parody why was this a parody 
<laughs> yeah. Like, why was it a parody of the 80s? Why Why wasn't, like, a period piece? That was not a period piece. That was, ha ha, look how dumb people looked in the 80s. Look at the stupid cars they drove. Oh, look at the stupid places they hung out. Like, what was that? Yeah. And, and As then, someone who grew up in the 80s, I was, like, insulting. I'm like, this is... Yeah, look at the stupid clothes they wore. Look at the dumb ways they talk. Except they only used one scene where they highlighted the lingo, and then they dropped it for the rest of the movie. And, I mean, let's... Do we do we need to talk about what happened to the guy? Mm-hmm. I know, right? <laughs> Plus, like, why even sub the actor? Like, like why? What? You, that was just creepy. And, yes, the, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the guy that suddenly wore the clothes that she dressed Chris Pine in, in a, that he didn't buy, like... The total plot hole. Oh, just, yes, I mean, what? yeah, there, there, I mean, there's some real ethical. There's no remorse where you just took over some no. dude's yeah. life. There's no some remorse. serious ethical problems in there. Yes. Wonder Woman <laughs> had no problem with that. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, I mean, the, the, the flight, the, the, the airplane, oh. the, the jet plane. I, the jet plane didn't bug me just because I was, I knew there was an invisible plane scene and I'm like, okay. Oh, but even before the invisible plane part. What museum leaves a fully fueled jet jet fighter sitting on the yes, airfield? Uh, yeah, and and dude who flies World War One planes who knows instantly. Yeah, after flipping a couple switches, how right. to fly an F fourteen? Yeah, yeah, you know, because jet engines are exact. They're all the same, same right? Exactly. <laughs> oh, there there was so many. Just just we just kept watching. We're like, what? Why? What? What? Yeah, no, it was it was bad, and then oh. and then the wings and and the yeah, I yeah, don't it just, whatever. It, 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 the only good scene in that was the post credit scene. That was, that was the only thing good in the entire movie was the post credit scene. Yeah, I, and I mean, I'm yeah, the and like like and I gotta say, um, I'm drawing a blank on her. Gal Gadot, I think, did a fantastic job acting with what she was given with. Chris Absolutely. Pine was cringy, but I think Chris Pine's kind of always cringy. Yeah, he, he like Chris Pine plays it. a good Kirk for a reason. <laughs> like it's just kind of yep. he's kind of hammy, right? Yeah, no, which works for Kirk did not work for this. And and yeah, I mean, not, there was nothing wrong with what Gal did. She's still a fantastic Wonder Woman. Yeah, I thought she Wonder was a great Woman Wonder, Wonder Woman. Be able to do what these things Wonder that Woman she's doing, be doing. Uh, there, you know, there's all that, and then the, poor, the mall fight. I'm like, is this a kids movie? Like it felt like oh. watching Gremlins or Goonies. Yeah, and I'm like, and with the parody at the beginning, the bright colors, I'm like, we're watching a kids movie. Now then, I get it; it's a kids movie. But then it kept getting darker and darker towards yeah. the end. And the whole characterization of Cheetah, yeah, and and the whole like, oh, she's smart and she's nerdy, so she like, well, no, it, the eighties thing. It was the eighties thing where yeah. she's got super ugly hair and wears big glasses, and then suddenly she gets a perm and her glasses are yeah. off. And she's hip and cool and hot now. She's all that in, the, in Wonder Woman's uh, form. Yeah, it's it's and like. Oh, she can't walk in heels. Well, lots of people can't walk. Well, in that heels. was the like, superpower, right? That was the superpower. I thought she was stealing the powers from Wonder Woman. I that was a plot twist. I actually I I misread. I thought she was taking the powers from from Wonder Woman, and the first power she gains is the power to walk in heels. Yeah, that it, that is that is the deciding factor as a if as your life as a woman. If you learn to walk in heels, you are an effective woman. Yeah, it was even the beginning, like the beginning with the kid. They give her this huge lesson on truth, which, yes, okay, they kind of had that come back at the end. The kid never lied. Was that a, there a cut scene where the kid lies that she has to learn a lesson about truth? Yeah. It, like, it's... like, there's got to be. Because the kid took a shortcut at one point, but didn't lie about it. And I'm, and I'm like... And I'm confused because, like, everyone rightfully praised Patty Jenkins for the first movie. It was fantastic. Yeah. And yet she is, as far as I'm aware, wrote this second one. 
And, her and, name was on it. She, I don't know. You how know, much she was. She did. definitely directed it, uh, and she wrote it with two other people. Um, but like, did she get stomped on? Did she not have the full ability control? to control and control? Because again, she did such a fantastic movie and such a brilliant heroic representation of Wonder Woman yep. that was powerful and empowering mm -hmm. until. <laughs> <laughs> until 1984 yeah um yeah again there you know it's i'm not saying that the first wonder woman movie was perfect uh but no but it was it, it, it was my favorite of all the modern decent yeah, movies absolutely and then they go and make this as a follow-up yeah oh my like, wow i like i expected bad i was not expecting it like I, i'm just still baffled yeah it, i'm like i'm gonna go watch the deleted scenes maybe it'll make sense do we need the schneider cut is that the problem i, I need the it was already like three hours long, too. That was the other problem. It was supposed to be the short break, and it wasn't much of a short break. Yeah, 151 minutes uh, running time on that. So it's not it's, uh, not it's quick. not a short movie, not quick. Yeah, and pacing, I mean... And pacing was quick, too, but... Yeah. Yeah, so that, that, there is our, our Wonder Woman 84 rant. <laughs> I'm kind of glad to see Sean agreed. Cause oh, yeah. I was, I was slightly concerned I'd bring it up, and he'd be like, no, nah, there was some good... I'm oh, like, no, nah. no, no. <laughs> no good. No good at all. No, I we, we, that was shockingly <laughs> bad. Um, here's an amusing one that I I got D into Narcos, so so I'm watching Narcos Mexico the the latest season, which is just as good as the the previous seasons. And she's come down a couple times when it's been on. So, and I'm like, no, no, watch this. It's actually pretty good. And she's like, yeah, okay, you're right. Yep, you're right. You can keep watching it without me, but you're right. If I'm not going to mind if you leave this on. So I got her hooked on Narcos. Yeah, so it's it, it's still very interesting seeing. So there's a bunch of different series that were set at the same time, like based on the same historic event, right? So there was Narcos, and then there was Narcos Mexico, and they're all by the same people. They're both Netflix, right? And they integrate. They have actors that overlap. Well, at the same time, a Netflix also produced um, El Chapo, which is a character from the, well, character, a person, a real person from the real time period. They also produced a show called Alias JJ, and then there was Pablo Escobar something de mal, and then there's another show on El Chapo. Well, the interesting thing is only Narcos is an American show about the drug cartels in Colombia and America. The other ones were all Mexican shows. Okay. And the difference in perspective is fascinating. <laughs> now, I'm not saying everyone deep dive it as much as I necessarily did, but I am really loving seeing this season's look at El Chapo compared to the show that was called El Chapo. Right. And because El Chapo's told from the Mexican point of view, whereas... This is told from the American point of view, and sure enough, the DEA kind of solves and, and, and manipulates everything. They're kind of behind the scenes everywhere. Whereas you watch the Mexican one, like one of the shows didn't even mention the DEA were even involved. Nope. They were just kind of like, yeah, yeah, there, there's DEA people here. <laughs> Whereas the American show is all about, you know, the DEA undercover agents and what they're doing to, and how they're manipulating things. Still strongly recommended, though, um, and what Deanna's actually, one of the things we noted, was the striking difference in the action scenes in that compared to everything else we've watched recently. So that was something we were talking about, I think, on an after show or a Sunday, how over the top, whereas this possibly is more realistic, but at least feels more realistic, where it's a lot of people running and shooting and clapping sounds with nothing exploding <laughs> and, and people ducking for cover and, you know, cars getting bullet holes in them, as opposed to, you know, big explosions and people getting shot in places, but still fighting on. And these are all, you know, one hit, you're down kind of fight. And it's just a very different tone to right. modern action flicks, which I've actually enjoyed. Interesting. 
I can't say I'm I'm a big drug czar show watcher. Like I said, it got me hooked. Yeah, yeah, I, watched, well, I watched the first one and I was like, I want to know more. Fair Somewhat. Enough. I did Google stuff too. It's not, I didn't totally go with what I watched on TV. <laughs> I did watch some YouTube videos that talked about what they got right and wrong. Sure. All right. We don't have anything else from the chat at this point. So what do we want to talk about next? Have you watched anything else? Um, I, well, I finished watching Arcane, but you haven't seen that yet. So yeah, I, don't I haven't, want to talk I haven't about started that Arcane. You. Oh, no, no. Where is Young Justice in Canada? Can you watch that in Canada? Uh, everyone told me there's a new season of Young Justice. I went and looked, and all I can find are the first two. Oh, shoot. You know what? I don't know. I'm still on the first season, so I, yeah, I don't I, know. I, everyone was like, Young Justice. So I'm like, am I right? Is there another season? Then I have someone else going, oh, my God, the new episode in my Twitter feed. So I'm like, it's obviously not showing where I used to watch it. Yeah. Where, so I tried uh, to find Young Justice, and I couldn't find it. Well, let me see here again. And I knew the new the new He Man was out. I did enjoy the first season of Revelation. It's interesting to see what's going to happen. Um, have not watched the new Cowboy Bebop series yet. The the live action we are currently watching the animated version because I never saw the original back in the day, and they they put that on Netflix knowing that they got the license for the new movie. And so I want to watch the rest of the anime, and then there's a an OVA, an anime movie. I want to watch that, and then I'll do. Yeah, I, I want Netflix. to watch it. I just haven't had time with other other things I'm watching. It's definitely there. Uh, Young Justice is on HBO Max because it was canceled by the Cartoon Network. Oh, okay. So Cartoon so Network someone else picked it canceled up. it, and HBO picked it up because HBO owns all of the Warner Brothers uh, stuff. So, yeah, Deanna can talk about that one. Um, so, yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to watch the original in the movie before moving on to the movie. And, and obviously this week I have not watched a lot, so I don't have a lot. It's just Wonder Woman was our break. Yeah. yeah. Um, so <laughs> that one's going to be a bit. Uh, plan on probably watching Hawkeye tonight, so we can't comment on that yet. Plus, that one's, like, new enough. I don't mind. Wonder Woman 84 has been out long enough. Yeah. Also, we are really strongly thinking of watching Sang Chi just to get a taste of a good superhero movie in Shang-Chi. to, to it, make it's up not without problems. But again, it's 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 like it's really good. It's again not yeah, without problems. I've, I've heard like second best to Black Panther, and 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 you'll movies. love some of the wuxia uh, yeah. fighting in it. Like some of the wuxia fighting is really really good. So like on 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 par with um, Flying Tiger. Uh, oh, Crouching Tiger. Crouching Hidden Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Dragon. Um, I actually just watched a YouTube video with two of the, um, uh, they weren't the fight coordinators. They were the, uh, but they were basically sort of designing a lot of the, uh, the work around the designers. One of them was one of the cameramen who right. worked as a, as a designer and ran camera for the things that after he helped design them, like he ran camera for the, the bus okay. scene, which you've, you've, it's not, it's not, the bus scene isn't a spoiler. We've seen all the trailers. Um, I haven't seen the, the bus, trailers. Even. The I don't fight. even know what it's about, but sure. Um, but you know, and again, so they've you know, and they went they went through their process and how they worked with the different uh, fight coordinators and doing because okay. a lot of um, and again, if you'd seen the trailer, so it's not really a spoiler. A lot of Shang Chi's style is based off of um, a sort of a blend between J- Jackie Chan and. Um, uh the the more a more classical uh chinese uh martial art um uh, you know dragon um st- style stuff so you'll you'll see these influences and they did a really good job oh. of that while also bringing in these other characters who have very clearly different influences and styles and they've changed nice. up the camera work to match 
filming that. They didn't just like do a blood sport thing where they introduced like 20 different <laughs> no, no, fighters no, no, with 20 different. I'm like, I don't know. That was kind of a thing for a while there. Unfortunately, the big problem is it's a Marvel movie and yeah. it follows a lot of the Marvel movie tropes. <sighs> anyway, looking forward to that yeah. one. No, no, it's it again. It's a good movie. There's just a couple of things like, oh, yep, this proves that it's a Marvel movie. <laughs> Do you want to pass me the box up there? Here, why not open it now? So then, next up, we have a preview of stuff we will be reviewing in the future. Because this showed up on my porch, and I'm like, that's a board game box. <laughs> oh. We don't we don't normally open things up during See, this show. This is definitely but a board game box. That is a big big board game cardboard box from Amazon for those folks listening uh, no, later this isn't on from Amazon. No, 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 no Amazon on this. And while Mo cuts that open, uh, they just started a brick and mortar waffle cafe on uh, ki uh, Kickstarter. If you want to support a waffle cafe, I don't know why you would, but you can. Uh, <laughs> that was something I was thinking about. We could talk about chief waffle office officer of pop goes the waffle, an innovative waffle company. Sweet and savory waffles. I have had not. I have had no luck with my savory waffles. My kids. See, have we like them. savory breakfast foods. I, I like making savory waffles, but my kids oh, have always hated them. That is a, that is a lot of packaging for for what is just one game. So there is. Oh, interesting. Okay, so we we see what it is, and uh, for those listening, we have seen Charterstone. Which is not a small box, but it's a lot smaller than the box that it <laughs> that was shipped box. in. <laughs> I actually thought that was going to be a box from the op. Oh, geez. Based on what I know is coming from the op. So, Charterstone, we have a legacy-style game. So, we are going to be starting up a new legacy game with Cat and Tori. This one will not be as long as the other. I think it's 12 games max. Nah, it's seen on the back. I think it's 12 or 15. It's a branching path, fantasy game, building cities, and so on. I've uh, got to thank Stonemaier Games for sending this along for us to review. Been looking forward to this, hearing good things about it. So look for Charterstone content spread out over the next while. The Charterstone is uh, currently ranked at uh, the 265th strategy game with a Which solid... Which is pretty good. For, and again, that's a legacy game. That's a commitment. That's not a one and done. With a, with a solid 7.3 with 13,000 ratings. Yeah, it's supposed so. to be pretty solid. So Stonemaier reached out and they were like, hey, are there any of these games you want to review? And that is the one we chose out of the ones they offered. And so it is 12 games, but interestingly, 12? this is... Yeah, you can keep playing. It's a competitive legacy yes. game. Yes, which this is, is competitive. This is not the same as, as our other ones. Very and no, there are no current plans to live stream those games. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, your completed village will be a one-of-a-kind worker placement game with variability. Yes. So. so when you are done, you can continue to play. But uh, we nominee, probably... nominee, nominated for like eight different awards. Yeah. Well, didn't actually win anything that year, but again, 2017 was a pretty uh, busy year for games. So yes. not I, I thought it was fascinating that, that Stonemaier is even looking for reviews for this. So I don't know if there's a new printing coming or it's back in print or if they just like looked and went, this is a game that doesn't have enough reviews on it. Well, oh, this is interesting. This is something I don't recall ever actually seeing. Uh, there is a... Listed in the expansions for Charterstone, there is a fan expansion. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it's it's the Eternal City, a fan expansion to Charterstone, <laughs> but it's listed in the official BGG All right. expansions. That, that is happens. interesting. Like, like, I remember um, Battlestar Galactica Express was listed as an official expansion. Interesting. Uh, and I'm looking, and uh, no, the 2018 is the newest 
printing. Yeah, like I said, I, I just, who knows? Of the game. Got yeah. the offer. Absolutely. It would have been, and the fans can let me know if I made a bad choice. We could have also have reviewed Red Rising, but that's based on a graphic novel that I've never read. So, mm-hmm. like, I have no tie to it. Or um, Pendulum. Pendulum we talked about, but Deanna does not like real-time games. Mm. So that one kind of put that aside. There were some other offers, but it was games I already owned. So I wasn't going to review something, take a review copy of something I already own. That just seems silly. Yeah, I mean, I, Red Rising is new hotness, but... But I, again, I don't yeah, know I the license, and it looks like it's mainly for people who know the license. Like, we, we did do a bit of digging. Yeah. And then Pendulum is a real-time worker placement where your workers are timed, like our... our hourglasses where you place them on a spot and you can't move them to a new spot until they run out or something. It looked kind of interesting, but Deanna's not a fan of real-time games. So we decided to pass on that one. Now I also did sign up to review the latest tapestry expansion, but they're only sending out 36 copies of that. And I have to assume probably 500 people applied. It's going to like a rough guess on how many people (laughs) have probably applied for that. So I don't know. Interestingly, uh, I'm actually just reading up about Red Rising because it's science fiction, so I'm intrigued at least. Uh, they actually, it got it. They tr- almost got a film, uh, a film that got canceled. They tried doing it as a television series, and that may eventually happen. There are still okay. like six different networks all sort of uh, trying, but it's had a comic book series yeah, plus it's additional a, it's books. Light, there were novels and. So Tuari is saying Red Rising is Fantasy Realms with more stuff to do. I never played Fantasy Realms. I know of Fantasy Realms, but I never played it. Okay. I, like I said, uh, Pendulum, it, it was a tough choice, actually, between Pendulum and Charterstone. We basically, we got a hold of Kator and said, hey, are you guys interested in a new Legacy game? And they said, oh, sure, why not? So what I'm hoping is it's something we can play that and other things. Right. It's not a take the entire night kind of thing. Fair enough. All right, so non-gaming question. We're going to jump back and forth here. We're going to try to equally balance. We're going to, we're going to pull a Ken and Robin, 50% gaming content, 50% non-gaming content. We're always talking about food in Windsor all the time. What kind of food is there in Hamilton? Is there anything notable? Uh, you know what? It's weird. People talk about pizza in Hamilton too, and I think they're crazy and I don't understand them <laughs> because their idea of pizza in Hamilton is this thick, gooey... Um, garlic thing from the grocery store and it's like in a pizza box but it's mostly it's like pizza dough with so it's like a garlic bread with toppings not even really much in the way of toppings like it's 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 way too bready um i don't understand it's it's uh, to me it's undercooked um you don't get any any sort of crispy edges anywhere it's Mm. all very very soft um and i so i don't get that at all (laughs) Um, I have actually found another place I found last recently, we were talking about how I found the ramen place here mm-hmm. in town. Uh, I recently found another one called dirty dogs, which is a hot dog shop. Hot dogs. And so unlike the one that was in Windsor, um, they actually have good hot dogs as well as interesting toppings and things. <laughs> so you're getting, they're gone now. So yeah, we, yeah. we can bad. No, I, and that's the only reason I'm actually bad mouthing this because I know they failed. Um, but that place was, I mean, they were generic, like. Hot, yeah, like, they were just, like red hot. Well, they weren't red hot. No, they, they were at least longer. Yeah, but these are like the full foot long, like ballpark style right. hot dogs. Really good. They've got um, a really good um, selection of buns. They have uh, some. Oh, so different buns? Oh, yeah, absolutely right. different buns and a ton of different topping options. Now, because we're in Hamilton, they don't have the good old. No uh, Coney? No Coney. Oh. 
Uh, they do. Have they gotta at least have a chili. They have a chili. Though. They have a chili, but it's not. I mean, it's it's a chili no, dog, not, not a coney. Chili, not coney. Um, but they've got a couple of like really spicy ones with like a bunch of different kinds of peppers on them. They do have a buffalo one because well, we're in Hamilton and we're close enough to Buffalo that everything gets buffalo. Buffalo gets buffaloized. Um, buffalo. So buffalo and it's buffalo. and. They're, they uh, pickles are their other specialty. So like every every dog comes, they come in in boxes. Like when you order takeout, it's a big box where you get the giant dog, a side of whatever kind of fries you want, or fries or rings or whatever. Um, but you can also get um, deep fried pickles instead of fries. Yeah. They have a little plastic thing of sliced pickles um, and uh, and a good coleslaw. And plus, you can get sides of, of deep fried pickles, and you can get full nice. pick, full size pickles and. So yeah, dirty dogs. It's a uh, very good, very filling. The first time I ordered them, I was expecting more. Bought like I got two. from Windsor, I got two, and I and yeah. I, I couldn't. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is a lot of food. Um, and it's not like I'm a small guy who eats small amounts. It was a lot of food. <laughs> I think uh, the only thing I've ever eaten in Hamilton is breakfast food. <laughs> uh, well, we do have, a, you know, there's a, some some very good diners around. I still order. I still order from the diner uh, pretty regularly. Again, I don't go in anywhere, but um, I stopped. I stopped off at uh, one of the pizza uh, joints I go to uh, for slice. Um, I've never actually. I don't actually get pizzas there, but I get. They, they've got good slices ready, uh, and they had three tables that were open if you showed your vaccine certificate. Right. So this you know big restaurant that used to have like twelve tables in it now has three tables if you show your vaccine certificate. Uh, but and it's mostly just a takeout pizza joint. So, uh, yeah, I may start. I may eat at restaurants again someday. Someday. Uh, We've done a bit. Yeah, a bit. Not not a well. And we're also getting. I mean, I, and you guys have done the patio thing uh, sometimes yeah. because. But you know, this is Windsor, Windsor, and and or well, Canada in the winter now. So that's not going to be happening as much. Yeah. But there are a couple of places that manage to keep patios with heater, but most of them yeah. all gone. Plus, everything's opened up whether it should be or not so yeah we'll see restaurants even at full capacity they were supposed to and that got pushed out i think everywhere i've been in has not been at full capacity. i i I saw something today about ford uh continuing some emergency measures yeah the emergency order is still in place that that i saw that's getting pushed out to like march 22nd so that's gonna be around for a long time i think that was federal i don't think that was well maybe it was ford maybe that's i don't know it's gotten to the point now where I'm just like, what am I allowed to do and not? Yeah. I used to keep up with it. Now I can't be bothered. Um, switching switching back over to gaming, I saw Victoria today on Twitter talking about Breakout. Um, are, so, are you trying to make contact? I know thing, your is contact it? is gone. It's March. See, that's a, see, Todd Crapper was talking about how he can't make it to Breakout this year. And then other people are like, oh, we're going to miss you, blah, blah, blah. They said this year. No, it's March 18th to 2020. It's March 18th to 20th, 2022. On, okay. uh, online sales of passes will be available in late 2021. Breakout 2022 is happening. Uh, attendance restrictions for large gatherings have been lifted, apparently, according to the provincial government. So, See, it depends. It, it, yeah, I'm just not sure if restaurants are. Capacity limitations for events have been... Oh, I can't, it, sign, up for, I can't sign up for an account yet. Darn it. <laughs> I, I probably... We'll see. Yeah. You know, the way things are going... We could be twice as bad as last year by March next year. It's not like things are tapering off to a nice little point like they're supposed to. Things keep going up and down and up and down and up and down. So I was planning on going to cons next year, but we will see. So the deadline to apply for media is January 31st. All right, that gives us plenty of time. Yeah. 
As far as I can tell, Kate's still involved based on seeing replies to Todd's post. So the so I should be able to just reach out to Kate. But so we'll, the media person apparently is Pete. It's Pete at Breakout Con. But yeah, I, uh, I know Pete, but I we we know enough people at Breakout. I could probably reach out to a bunch of different people. Yeah, yeah. No, to see if we could get in, which maybe they won't do it for free. We'll see. Well, I mean, they they definitely have media badges, and I mean, there's no reason. I mean, yes. we are we are more than a year old. We can provide samples of relevant coverage. And we, we have been to them. Breakout Con uh, previously and can submit that coverage. Uh, we have been a pre- uh, uh, We're not guaranteed approval if we've been there before. Uh, but yeah. I Mandatory mean, masking in Danielle's County. See, we never, we haven't stopped. Well, yeah, the States is very different. We haven't stopped mandatory masking. Yeah. So I. Though I. <laughs> one, one, it seems like once you're inside, you you can just you know take your mask off because you will be eating at some point. Maybe at least that seems to be <laughs> the local rules. Unfortunately, yeah. But uh, the the fact that uh, everyone has to be vaccinated to me right now is enough. But I don't know. We get it has spiked pretty bad in Ontario recently. So yeah, we, we here. may start locking down again. Like it, was a, it was over 700 again. I, I, yeah. I don't know what we're at right now. I haven't looked at the recent numbers. This local week, was another uh, fairly large number and another death today. And well, lots of school cases because, well, we sent plague bearers door to door. Unvaccinated plague bearers door to door. And no one seemed to think that was a problem at the time. Anyway, this is not what I meant to be talking <laughs> about. It's depressing. Breakout, maybe. Uh, I would like to start going to cons again. Yep. Starting with Breakout and Origins is the main two. I would love to hit a PAX next year. Possibly even a um, the Wisconsin one. Mm. It's because I know lots of people in Wisconsin. Yep. There would be people I want to see there. Uh, what is it called? A game hole con. I would like to hit that, but yes. Uh, yeah, Deanna's saying Breakout better let us. Yeah. Well, that is part of the reason. Wisconsin <laughs> has good cheese. Cheese and curds. It's confirmed. I still, to, don't think, I, I still don't think it's as good as Quebec. Go to Madison and check the, their cheese curds. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I've had them. So not, not Quebec. They're not squeaky enough. Well, yeah, but did you have them in in Wisconsin? No, but someone brought them from Wisconsin that day. Oh, okay. It was so, like, day, they were bought right. that morning. All right. And, and yes, they were really good cheese curds, <laughs> but they were not as good as the ones I had in, in Gatineau, Quebec. Right. Are there game cons in Quebec? We could go to Montreal. I, there probably are, but I would worry about language barrier at a, a Montreal game con. Yeah, no, that's definitely uh, a potential concern. Though I'm sure any con there probably lists... Like, there's cons right in Detroit. Like, if, if everything was just open and normal, I had just planned to do more cons. Like, two years ago, I just planned to do more cons. Like, like let's show up at the whatever, WAGS, Michigan, whatever, and see how big it is. See if it's a real thing. Drop our name, you know, drop some business cards, some coasters, whatever, tent, table tents. Like, get our name out there. And then if it's that small a con or if it's just wargaming or something, we don't go back. We, we show up the one time, we check it out. Yep. Yeah, that's true. We'll just bring the kids. All right. The other thing I have on the list, which we'll go through somewhat, not like we would on Sunday, because I can't share our screenshots like we do on our Sunday. So to get the full effect of talking about Kickstarters, I have a short list of Kickstarters that launched in the last couple of days. And the first one I want to talk about, I put a link in the chat room for those of you who want to follow along, is from Nerd Lab Games, who I've never heard of. And the game is called Mindbug First Contact. This is a dueling card game, so it's yet another. You have a deck of cards, you're trying to fight the person on the other side. And what caught me here 
is that they're somehow saying it's co-designed by Richard Garfield. Interesting. So you got the maker of Magic the Gathering, and um, what's the big one we kind of got into last year? Uh, key, well, no, but Key... <laughs> oh, Keyforge. The key, Keyforge. Keyforge, which kind of did okay. I I don't know. Um, it, it's it's easy to play, they're saying, um, to complain about Keyforge. They're calling it genuinely fair. There are no randomized packs. There is no unfair advantage or pay to win. You won't lose games because of bad luck. Which that one makes me wonder, because if it's a deck game and you're shuffling, like that's a big claim. Um, with our unique mechanics, it's out to you to outsport your opponents. They're calling it surprisingly deep and always exciting. I need to sit through a review. There's a whole how to play here. The cards remind me of Keyforge, and it looks like it's mostly text abilities. So it doesn't look like there's a strength or a dex. It's just like, this card you play, it does this. This card, when you play it, does that. Oh, interesting. So you only draw from... There's no deck building. It's a single deck. You're sharing a single deck. Oh, you're drawing from a single... Okay, so you're more Star Realm style then. Like like, like deck builder instead of deck construction. So there, uh, there's no unfair advantage as players draw from the same deck and always get the chance to mind control the strongest opposing cards. In the end, it all comes down to your own decisions, making the game extremely fair and competitive at the same time. Like, I, I dig the art style. I wish you guys could see it. The Explosive Toad is one of my favorite pictures. I don't know if you've, you've scrolled down to see that one. So the artist I love it. is uh, from Kiev, Ukraine, uh, Denis okay. Martinet. He has done uh, many games. So he's do- he's worked on games such as uh, Behind the Throne, uh, all the Catacombs jobs, Chocolate Factory. Okay, Catacombs, uh, I can say that's the dexterity flicking. Uh, Fist of Dragonstones, um, Imperial Settlers, three is a magic number. Many, uh, mer- very, uh, a number of Imperial Settlers jobs. Uh, Joust in 2019. Um, yeah, he's do- so he's got like 40 different titles. Maya, uh, there's a bunch of, of games that are Robo City. Um, so yeah, lots of art. I said I really do dig the art look. I I do like it. Um, they are doing a like if you kickstart it, you get a first contact set that's uniquely numbered. That's only going to be available not in retail, but there, you will be able to get this. So you are getting kind of like a special version of the deck. Mm-hmm. I, I my biggest thing is they're claiming right in the title that it's Richard Garfield, and I can't find anything on here. Oh no, he's on he's on the BGG page. He is okay, but game design. This is what I'm so, trying to find. So they started in 2019, just spent two years trying to create Mind Drum. And then there was testing. It was it was shown to the public at Essen. Uh so once we go through our Essen list, we should hit this one. But like I don't see anything in here saying, like, what did Garfield do? Did he consult? Did he help design it? I that I'm 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 it still just, it, it seems odd to throw that name out there without a big hey, the guy that designed magic helped write this. So interestingly, this uh, Nerd Lab got its start as a podcast. Yes. So they interviewed uh, game designers. Mm -hmm. uh, And so they may well have said, you know, interviewed Garfield. And uh, and that's what that, okay, there you're saying. I was like kind of wondering. No, but I mean, if if they interviewed Garfield and connected with him about this deck, because I mean, deck builders are his thing. Uh, and connected with him and worked uh, and, des- so, and ended up working with him because of that connection. I mean, so the part that world. blew me away is look at the funding. It had a $7,000 Canadian goal. It's at 101000 already. Yeah. So this one's getting made. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and this is their first created. So for a first project, this is doing ridiculously well. 
Now them putting their board game geek rating is kind of lame when your game's not out yet. Well, yes. Yes, it is. Who's uh, played your game to give it a BGG rating of 8.4? Oh, the list of early playtesters, I would assume. I hope. Um, <laughs> I highly doubt it. So, All right, let me yeah, see if it's still at that. He's only listed as game design. He's not on the project team or illustrations or anywhere else. Um, I'm just trying, but there's no mention of what he did. He's just on the design team. So I suspect he was probably a consultant. Consulted in one way or another. Yeah, that would be my guess. Uh, but that would be my guess. So, so some of the important notes here too is this is two player only. Uh, weight is 2.13. So that's not like nothing. There are four player rules. But why then put two player only? Best with two if there's four player rules. Update your board game geek listing. That's true. They did. They, oh, there was a print and play out. So there you go. There was a print and play out that people have been playing. Oh, okay. People who own it, people who have tried it. It's, it seems like it's being rated pretty well. Interestingly. Oh, wait, there, there it is. Okay. Uh, sorry. I'm just trying to figure, I was trying to find the, uh, trying to find the FAQ and it, that their, their, their page is weirdly built. So it doesn't, yes. I can't click yeah, where, where I want to click. I want where I want to click. It doesn't actually you know, like it's it's very bizarre. You, I have to click somewhere completely different. Okay, so the the four player mo- mo- rules are still in an experimental mode, and it's two teams of two. So yeah, it's a two player game still. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so uh, jumping back to our other topic, I hadn't been watching the chat. So Ryan's asked, saying it'd be great if we road tripped out here to attend Halcon. That's possible. We were also invited to go to Saskatchewan to a game convention there. And what I asked them is is the question my wife is, does Via Rail go to Saskatchewan? Because that'd probably be a pretty relaxing trip. And they said, no, not Via, but something else Go uses Via routes to get something. Yeah, I mean, Hal- Halifax is a 20-hour drive from Toronto. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's better than Saskatchewan. It is, true. <laughs> well, Saskatchewan, I, I think they said it was, it was something like seven days or it's something. It's better in many ways because you don't have to drive through the prairies to get to yeah. Halifax. There's actually a beautiful drive to get to Halifax. And you there don't you have go. Halifax Doesn't to have have... Donaires. Yep. There you go, and they're closer. So yeah, we were invited to go to Saskatchewan, I think in May. And I'm like, May's our anniversary. Do we really want to spend our anniversary going to the Saskatchewan? And the biggest thing is the amount of time to get there and back just makes it it's got to be like a week or two, and it just cuts into so much other things. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, Halifax, baby. Go to Nova Scotia. I don't like fish. That's what scares me about going to out there. Yeah, I, can you actually go and get like burgers places? Or you you like can, port, but also what you need thing? to do is, and, and I, I even if you don't like it, I will say this to everybody. Once you're out, in uh, in the Halifax area, or if you go even better, if you go further out, PEI, uh, PEI is have like real fresh lobster uh, or real fresh crab. Because, see, I like crab. I, yeah, I can, see, I can do crab. It, it, you don't understand. <laughs> you know, Donairs have zero fish in them. I I uh, think I just assume everything out there is just no. But it, it like <laughs> it is. It's really hard to explain how much better fresh crab and lobster yeah. are. Uh, the first time I went, I went out there, uh, with my wife, we were driving, um, through Nova Scotia and we stopped one night at, at this like motel, little roadside motel in this mm-hmm. tiny little town. And we watched the fishing boats come in and then went to the restaurant and ate lobster off, off the boat. The boat. <laughs> nice. Like you just, it's, it's the, the freshness can't be beat. You know, it doesn't, you know. No, no, no flown across the country in a tank somewhere or, you know, shipped, a, shipped to be across honest, the, the way things are going, I think I'd rather go to a Halifax con than one down south. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> Staying in Canada for cons may not be a bad thing for next year. Yeah. 
because uh, apparently I just got an I just signed my announcements. One of the anime um, cons in I, maybe I think it was New York. Uh, all the all the cosplayers are warning each other because someone showed up with a fake vax certificate. Yep. So now everyone's yep. got to go get tested because. <laughs> they, you know, they, they, they going to a con is more me getting in that con is more important than all the rest of you. Yep. Ridiculous. So the selfishness amazes me. Yeah. No, that's crazy. Back to games. There's a new Pathfinder Kickstarter. The interesting part, it's not a role-playing game. It is the first official miniature battle game from Paizo and the Pathfinder folk that use their iconic characters. So anyone who um, is a longtime fan of Pathfinder is they have a set of standard heroes and i don't i mean, I have to assume they're like the characters that the the, the people who designed the game played in D D 3.5 years ago or something um they're the same characters you're going to find in the pathfinder adventure card game if you bought the pathfinder comics they were about these characters um when you scroll down you see the awesome looking goblin that's fimbus that's the character i play when i play the pathfinder adventure card game so it is using the iconic characters against pathfinder specific Monsters like well-known ones, their their chimera is a particular style that people like. It is a interesting thing here is I think they might be trying to do some Gloomhaven because it's diceless. And I gotta say, if you are Paizo or whoever is producing, it's Giachi Uniti is producing it for Paizo, and you run Pathfinder, why do you make a diceless combat system? <laughs> like I think you're just missing your target market there. Like by like like you just you know cast a fireball the wrong way as far as i'm concerned i don't get it like why would you not base it on the combat system from pathfinder in some way so you can download the rules so you can check it out you can look at the player cards it's got awesome looking art um they are already funded and doing if i remember ridiculously well yeah you're at 197,000 only had a 71,000 goal just launched this week so, like it might have been yesterday. I have I have zero interest in Pathfinder. Nothing to know. Yeah. Don't know anything about it. Not my thing. That's fine. But I almost want to back this because they have a character named after my daughter, and it's hard to find stuff that has that's true. her spelling and everything in it. I'm oh, like, they're, oh they're, she's all over the place. Sheet. That's one of the iconics. <laughs> so you you can pick up the buy the Pathfinder Adventure card games. I know your kids like card games. Yeah, maybe, maybe I, I I didn't I didn't realize that there, that her name was in a in Pathfinder. So that's, there you go. Like, that's so right from the beginning. That that is that is one of their iconic non-white females that they they have featured since the beginning. What I've got to say is the minis look fantastic. Like like really nice looking. I, something about the monsters, like that ogre. It's it's a female ogre. You don't tend to see that in the first place. The minotaur is nice and dynamic. There's, I, I don't know what they're called, but there's these super creepy alien looking things is there. You get a Johnny Storm miniature. It's a flaming person. Well, the, super, like, the blue aliens? Because that's like a, a ghoul. No, it's it's like this. It's, it's I don't know how to describe it. It's like a scorpion, but fat. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I see there's, there, yeah. They that's up the that's an up. iconic, like I've, I've only ever seen that in Pathfinder. There's an ent with the two heads, but again, it's female, which is just, you don't see female ents. No one makes them. So there's all these different tiers of monsters for you to fight. And... The problem I see, and again, I, I wish I was screen sharing, is the arena looks so boring. Yeah. It's like this generic dungeon, just squares that you can rearrange and rebuild. And it just, it doesn't look exciting at all. And again, Pathfinder is kind of based on D&D. Like, give me something with a bit of a dungeon crawl feel instead of this abstract grid with some walls and colored symbols on it. Yeah. No, that's that's totally fair. I, it's doing well. 
Um, uh, you're looking at 140 euro for the the core it's box. It's expensive. And then you're probably gonna want to buy more heroes, and you're probably gonna want to buy more monsters, and you might want some of the traps. And then there's even more stuff like the dragon is a standalone expansion you have to buy. I I don't know. I I just it seems really weird to me to not stick to more of the what makes Pathfinder Pathfinder. Yeah. Now I think if you'd gotten in in the first twenty four hours, because it is or it is past twenty four hours, because there were there were three special pledges for the first twenty four hours uh, that would have probably made it worth to go up there. There were basically there were discount pledges yeah. for early backers, and those might have been worthwhile. But like if you're a Pathfinder fan, if nothing else, you get some awesome minis for your Pathfinder game. Yep. I have no idea how the game will be like, because the other thing is like, there's a bunch of optional buys, which aren't included in any of the dang packages. So to get the age of ashes expansion, which comes with three more or two more tier one monsters, a tier two, a tier three and a tier four, you got to spend another 35 euro. If you want the heroes expansion, with well, no, those are included my... in the, in the master pledge. Age of Ashes is in the... And, the Age of Ashes is in the map? And, okay. and the Heroes expansion, yeah. So All right. that, those expansions, if you go if you go to the 165 euro, um, you, you do go. get the optional uh, expansions. So I know, combat is, oh, is yeah, card-driven. Yeah, yeah. The map, you can actually slide tiles. So they're actually, they did, um, what do you call that game? Magic Labyrinth thing? Mm. Where you slide tiles onto the map and the dungeon changes. Um, you, your stats, you can level up. So it's got that aspect. You collect gear, which are cards. So it's uh, interesting. So you basically you've got movement point uh, or action points and you can either move or attack or move the dungeon. So you can actually right. mess with your own position or mess up your opponent's positions as an action in the game, which is a very, pretty interesting. It's mechanic, interesting. Honestly. So I don't um, know this, this one looks interesting. This literally launched yesterday. I thought we were going to hit it in the first 24 hours. This launched on on day one was on the twenty third. So like this is the new hotness for Kickstarter right now. Pathfinder miniature battle game that isn't played like Pathfinder. I, the the last Alaska dice. Give me a d twenty. If I'm playing anything with the word Pathfinder on it, kind of feel like I want a d twenty. Uh, Iconic. We... I can't say I'd be able to pick out any of them in a battle lineup. I would. If you showed me a list of, I'd be like, nope, that's a Pathfinder iconic. That's a Pathfinder iconic. 35, uh, 35 euro shipping in, in uh, continental UK or continental US. That's not horrible. Uh, oh, another good news. This isn't here, but the press release came out today from, uh, oh, we're sharing a deal. The game something. GameZone Miniatures. GameZone Miniatures will be the EU publisher of HeroQuest. So not only was it not a Kickstarter exclusive, which I've been arguing for a while, it will be coming to the EU, just not from Hasbro. So the new Hero Quest will be coming to the EU. Okay, this is strange. For shipping, for some reason, Estonia, Latvia, Sweden, and Canada are all the same price. <laughs> okay, sure. Those are the ones that, like, we can't figure it out, so we just well, threw down. There's literally, I mean, there are, like, 35 different shipping <laughs> zones on this job. It's really bizarre. Like, if you, if you're, if you, and if you're unfortunate enough to end up in rest of the world, it's 102 euros Ooh, shipping. Ouch. Well, uh, we didn't which is the same as Alaska and Hawaii. So, uh, yeah, if you're uh, if you don't show up on this giant list, you're paying a lot of money for shipping. And of course, the actual shipping fee will be charged, blah, 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 calculated and charged, blah blah blah. Yeah, blah. those are estimated because yeah, so. you better put estimated on your kickstarters right now because otherwise you're going to be eating. Yeah, <laughs> eating so much money. A lot of people 
Um, like I know one, I got charged shipping and they, they said, you know, look, if you can, if you can throw a little extra in here, we're not charging the full shipping for everybody because we've, you know, we were going to have one shipping price. So mm -hmm. if you can throw a little bit into the, the tip jar when you're checking out, it would be appreciated. It'd be appreciated. Yeah. Just to try and even out. All right, next one, we uh, I was hoping some people from our Discord would be in here because this is, uh, I wouldn't say a hot topic, but something that we have been talking about on our Discord, which you can get access to by becoming one of our Patreon patrons at patreon.com slash tabletopbellhop back at any level, and we'll give you access to our private Discord server, where we are talking about Call to Adventure Epic Origins. So Call to Adventure is a hybrid RPG board game, storytelling game, where it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure story, and I have to admit I have not played this game. There is a group locally who love it, and I would say the last three events before we hit lockdown, I saw the game being played, but I never got to sit down to play it. It looked fascinating. It looked like a good game. Well, this is a new addition to the game that before you play the main game, you make your character. And while the controversial part is that they are claiming you can now use this to make your D&D 5e characters, which interesting. is interesting. And I don't know. I, I have no idea because I haven't played the original. There's some cool looking characters. There's the, the box is fantastic. The box, the box alone is. But like... that's the $95 <laughs> box. Like you have to buy the deluxe game with the premium accessories to get the awesome box, right. which actually, to be honest, it just looks like it's foam core. That it's it's already painted. Um, they do have something that will give you everything, which actually I got to say, two hundred bucks for everything for Call to Adventure is a good price. Um, so this can be its own game, or you can play this first, then play the other. Which I love the fact that you have a create a character game and then a game to play it with. So similar reminds me of the game Role Player R O L L, which is a game all about making D and D style characters by drafting dice which is a ton of fun, but a lot of people didn't like it because at the end, you, you would you have a character. Now what? And they're like, no, no, that was the game. Whoever made the best character wins. And they eventually put out an expansion to fight monsters, but it wasn't like a standalone game. It was like a little thing you got some extra points for if you're able to defeat the monsters. So this seems to be taking it as the full thing. And then what they've done is they're, instead of the, you actually do have to involve challenges and it uses of course now there's strength dexcon and wins charisma so it's using the modern series of sets for D, &D not the original and then i guess there's some way you can make a character for D, &D or do background and there's not a lot here so um, it they includes did... a 5e compatible conversion guide so yeah uh, so that's the big drive seen from people so basically um, they've got a character sheet it, it looks like a D&D &D character sheet and all of the symbols on your cards get translated into to the character sheet, the character sheet. All right. They have, a, they have their own unique character sheet. So, so I don't know. I call to adventure supposed to be really good. I, I'm fortunate. I have not had a chance to try it. I've heard really good stuff about it. I, this seems like it's going to turn what's an interesting game into a very long one. Like, especially if you do want to play both, like maybe it's if, like for a home group, it's probably great. Get together one week, do this, get together another week and do that. Now, the one thing I have seen people complain about, and I totally agree with, is people are calling this the ultimate session zero. Oh, that was my first. And that is at the very top of the Kickstarter. It says, craft your hero, cast the runes, claim your destiny. This epic tabletop game is also the ultimate session zero for any fantasy RPG. Session zero is not rolling characters. Exactly. You can roll characters during session zero, 
Yep. But that is not what Session Zero is about. There is nothing in here about safety. There's nothing here about getting people on board or enthusiastic consent. So my biggest complaint about this is don't call it the ultimate Session Zero when it doesn't even tackle any of the Session Zero questions. This is create a character with some background. That's not Session Zero. Yeah, no, I and that was the moment uh, it was first brought up in our uh, thing. I clicked on the link, read the heading, and went, no, I hate this because of that ultimate session zero statement just that statement yeah. it's their subtitle for turns their me character. turns me off huge putting with the way they did that so i don't know looks interesting except for the fact that don't claim this is the ultimate session zero monty cook took care of that one you can download it for free on their website Absolutely. there's your ultimate session zero <laughs> tool yep all right no more i got one more it's called robotopia which I just thought was ironic because I want to mainly talk about this one and I think it's worth it. This could lead into a whole conversation, though it's about 10.30, so I don't know how much we're going to go on. So this is yet another robot game, blah, blah, blah. It looks kind of interesting. Sorry, I'm trying to get my own link here so I can take a look at it. One to five players, you're going to compete to become the master robot. It's got some cute-looking robot meeples. Uh, the board looks kind of interesting. There's obviously, I don't know if it's program movement or engine building with the cards. There's Rado reviews. There's a dual layer board, everything else. This was canceled within six hours of launching. Okay. For one, what the hell? Like you're canceling after six hours, but wait till you hear the reason, which I'm trying to find because I know you're down somewhere. Hey, loyal Robotopians. Peter here, the owner of Bluebeard Entertainment and designer of Robotopia. This campaign isn't performing as we hoped. And at this point, it looks like it's unlikely that we'll reach our funding. Six hours in, how do you know? We know we had a great product here. The reviews have been positive. And word is that Anthony created it. The world they created is a delight, but the pricing doesn't seem to be what people are expecting. So we're going to cancel. I don't know if we'll relaunch. Blah, blah, blah. Six hours. Campaign isn't performing as we hoped. At this point, it looks like it's unlikely it'll fund. How do you know? So... Uh, from what I can say is I look at the, um, the comments and from day one, it looks like, like very first, everyone's like, I was excited. And then I saw the price. I was excited. And then I saw the price. This looks great, but this price is crazy. So what did people back just to tell them that? I guess so. So yeah, I will say it's a $75 game for the standard edition, 99 for the deluxe. 250 for the retailer, which gives you five copies. I, so, I yeah, I'm seeing like the the European people are like it's 160 bucks to get this game. So, so yeah, I guess they just price themselves out completely. Seems like so yeah, too bad for Robotopia, but I just seem ridiculous. Like I I find it very strange that that people don't seem to give their thing enough time to change back they had 212 backers that's not a small amount their funding goal was really high too though mm. like they wanted sixty-three thousand. you know the other ones we talked about tonight were like eight thousand seven thousand like enough yeah. to actually make a game and then additional above that is to be able to ship it to the people who want it so yeah i i the, the canceling the the we didn't get the hype we wanted in that first day is such an issue yeah to me. it's it's a big thing so like i i just Wonder how much is knee jerk and how much is real. And uh, you know what, though? City of the Great Machine canceled really early in again because they were told their pricing was off. So they looked at doing a bigger order and other ways to save money and then came back and killed it. So, yeah, no, it's interesting. I and this game, I don't 
Man vs. Meeple seems to have been the ones to have who have really sold it. Um, they obviously must have really liked it because I saw a number of comments referring to Man vs. Meeple um, as the sort of the reason people came to it and the reason people were excited. Okay. So uh, yeah, clearly it's got something, but uh, it's, uh, I don't know. <sighs> Sorry. They've got uh, tons, tons of, it was, I mean, the campaign is well crafted. I still don't understand what the game is. That's part yeah, of the problem. Yeah, I was having a hard time. Like, I, I would need to go listen to the, to, or watch the, the Man vs. Meeple because I don't understand what this game is. <laughs> um, so that could be a problem. I, I, I've looked at the BGG. Link. I admit I didn't deep dive it, so. So, it's a worker placement game about robots who want to rule. Each player is an ambitious robot working to usurp the master robot and take control of the factory. So you're going to place a robot on a factory location and the robot man versus meeple. There it is. Sorry. Stay at work on the board, but no longer belongs to you. It activates any factory spaces. It touches, uh, the bigger the robot, the more spaces it can use. And when you run out of robots, you power your generators to build more and move the master robot around the factory to crush robots into resources. It, it, it just feels messy. Like they didn't, distill the game down into a clearly right uh, into a clear concept uh okay and 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 maybe rado or because you know rado's uh, done a preview of it um you know there's maybe somebody has 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 done it better dice tower did something on it um but well they got it out to all the right people that's for yeah, sure yeah. no absolutely i just don't understand what <laughs> what it is so uh, interestingly, they used the BGG forums as their design diary. Yeah, they did okay. different threads each day for it. Well, that's for, a good way to get people involved early. Yeah. So that part's cool. No, I, they they seem really honestly, uh, you know, invested and interested that the guy's done. It's not like it's one designer, you know, the only game they've ever designed. True. Um, There's 33 games for, uh, under this designer's name. So no. yeah, I guess I, I guess if you get enough people complaining that your video game costs too much from people who are already backed, I guess possibly at a buck. Yeah, I guess that's a good call. I just oh, just shocked to see like deciding that soon. Yeah, I, I assume that I I guess it almost must be a thing where you back at a dollar so you can comment. Like oh, well, it must on a regular. Like, like I I would never consider doing that. I like. It's just not for me, or it is for me. Like, I know enough media back at a buck on everything so they can report. Right. Because <laughs> you get to see all the comments, right? But They're almost, the, the Kickstarter needs a, you have to back at an actual reward level to be able to comment. That that would be a useful thing on Kickstarter. Yep. So Ryan's also saying tapped out pretty hard on Kickstarter backing. Going to take something pretty exceptional to get me juice. And I totally agree. Yeah, and as Deanna said, you can back out and not. That's there's zero buy-in, and that's what a lot of the, the media people do. Is they, the people who report on Kickstarters back at a buck and they cancel their pledge by the end. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, the Daily Magic is a their Valeria, which is why weird. When did Valeria launch? That was soon. That didn't come up on my list. Oh yeah, that's right. There were three new Valeria games launched. All oh, here it is, which is weird. <laughs> there we go. We'll drop that down quick. So we are going to take a quick look at the three new Valeria games. I should be... The thing is, these dropped while I've been busy. Uh, there's 15 days to go. I do know that one of um, one of our friends, uh, Glenn, from Board Games and Bourbon, did get to check out the prototypes of all these games. Um, these are definitely not like smaller box, 
Like, they're definitely doing something different here. They did a dice version, um, dice kingdoms of Valeria to, to go along with their card kingdoms of Valeria. So they did their roll and write because everyone needs a roll and write, as far as I can tell. Um, dice rolling, card drafting. The art's still pretty iconic. Um, there's that one. Wow. They, like, it's weird that they grouped all these. They did get a lot of reviewers, which is good to see. Then we have Siege of Valeria, which looks like it might be doing the Nizia grid thing. Uh, definite dice being involved. Again, the art's really cool. There's a lot of iconic art. I think they may be re reusing art from their other games, which makes sense. Definitely reusing iconography. And then there is Thrones of Valeria, which is is a card game. Like a trick-taking. A trick-taking, traditional card game. So we have a traditional card game. And the art on that, I love. It is not their standard Valeria art. It looks very unique and very stylized. And I love the look of the art in that game. Like, I just want it just to check out the art. All of these are available free to play on Tabletop Simulator. So if you're curious about them, you can try them out. Um, the, for what look like small games, the price seems high. Uh, I'm actually really interested in, like, they've done some really nice stretch goals. Uh, like, the next stretch goal to hit is all of the punch board in Valeria is upgraded to wood tokens. Oh, nice. Uh, and then the next one after that, uh, in Thrones, you get Mahjong Xyle's resin house tokens and a draw bag. Like, no. they're really doing significant upgrades with these stretch goals, which is really oh, nice cool. to see. That is a nice touch. Mm -hmm. So you can get the rules for all those. You can actually um, try them all on Tabletop Simulator including like trying out the demos and all that fun stuff. It's doing rather well. It had a high goal, but it's hit the goal. I good, good on them. I think is all I have to say at this point. Yeah. So 30 bucks for 30 bucks for a game, I think is what we're going to start seeing yeah. as the new normal 30, 30 bucks for a trick taking game and 30 bucks for a roll and write seems high to me. That's all. And well, siege of Valeria, siege of Valeria's tower defense with cards coming down. Well, right? I mean, There's, you've got the option for 15 bucks. You can get as a print play. So yeah, that's true. You know, I, to be honest, it's not even that I'm sick of, of Valeria. It's just, they, they put out a lot of content in a short amount of time and I haven't kept up and kind of because I haven't kept up, I don't feel like I need to, yep. you know, how you just get that kind of, I've fallen behind now. Not that I have, No, absolutely. I've only fallen behind on their new games, but like, I haven't tried Margrave's Valeria. And then there was something about ships, shipbuilders of Valeria or something. I haven't tried that one either. Right. Yeah, like Ryan's saying it's comparable to Eagle Griffin's bookshelf games. I guess I just thought they would be be simpler. It probably is a bit more than a roll and write, but that's how they're selling it. They're saying we have a trick taking game, a roll and write game, and a tower defense game. Yep. And looking at it, it definitely looks like a roll and write. Like it's, it's they show a couple different maps here, and there's little things you're gonna fill in. Obviously, little circles you're gonna fill in. The dice just look like d6s. Like they're not there's there's no funky dice or anything. No, it's, it's, again, it's nice Valeria stuff, but yeah, I, the nice Valeria stuff would make sense at $25 at $30. It feels rough. And I it think, does, it, just, it feels and I, high. And I think that's the new normal though. I think that's, that's us fair. needing to adjust to the new world we live in. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, oh, there's, there's a question from the uh, chat room there. Suggestions for a good monster city building game. What do you mean monster city building? Like as in big involved city building game? Monsters, I'm not sure what that means. Monsters. Um, Mon I don't I don't know any games that build cities out of monsters. Or build cities for monsters? Build said Monster Apocalypse, the uh, new uh, cities, the new version. Build cities talked about that on Sunday. Build cities by monsters? Are there any are there any games where monsters build There's cities? There's uh, Godzilla Tokyo Clash. 
Yeah. Have you seen the price of groceries? The end. Uh, somebody from uh, England I follow uh, posted a box of uh, Reese's Pieces breakfast cereal, yep. which I think is an utterly disgusting concept. But aside from that, it was a 328 mil, uh, um, gram box. Or, yeah. And in Canada, that box sells for four, like four ninety nine or four thirty nine. In England, after you know, if you did the conversion to Canadian, mm-hmm. it was eleven dollars and ninety nine cents for Reese's for a, oh. the small size box wow. of Reese's Pieces cereal. <laughs> like, I actually like the Reese's. oh my lord, a city four monsters. I have, I have a d- hmm. diminishing return. We got too many questions all of a sudden. I was about to wrap things up. City four mon. The only thing I'm thinking it is is um Monster Apocalypse. We talked about it last week that they they've now relaunched it. It's now much simpler to put together. There is a new board game that is compatible with the old miniature game. Part of that is not only collecting the monsters and the like troops. You also collect pieces like city pieces. That's part of the game, and you paint up city pieces. That's I think Monster Apocalypse is probably your closest bet. Um, other than that. I can't think of any other cities for monsters. Probably, possibly, um, what's is it? Di- what, Dinosaur World. I mean, there's a bunch of. I mean, there's a bunch of video game sort of stuff, but I don't know. Uh... There's there's Dinosaur World where um, it, it's Jurassic Park. If you consider dinosaurs monsters, um, there is the Alien and Dinosaur packs for Unfair. You are building a theme park. And and specifically the aliens, you're building it for the aliens. You you are literally making the experiments for people to ride on and, and gaining alien influence. The theme of that one is way more dark than it seems when you start actually like looking at what the cards are and what you're doing to people. That one is definitely for aliens. Uh, I um, diminishing returns. I, I know there are. Just off the top of my head, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, I don't know if it actually funded. There was a there was a card game, a RAR monster building city stomping card game, but I don't know if it actually funded. That like was there's back- Monsters Menace America, but that's that's more um, it's Crush Crumble Chomp more than anything else. Mm. It's 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 zoomed out. You control one monster and one faction of the military, so like the Air Force, the Army, the Marines, and then you are trying to destroy as many cities as you can, and then use your faction of the army to take out the other monsters, and at the end, it's a big battle royal. And I think it's a fantastic game until that battle royal at the end. The battle royal at the end is boring. It's just your two miniatures walk towards each other, and then you roll a bunch of dice to see who wins. And I hate that part of the game, but I love the rest of it. And I think Kator still have our copy of Monsters Menace America. Uh, so uh, Ryan's asking about uh, diminishing returns as a mechanism. Uh, Middle Earth Quest, the more Sauron uses his action, uh, the same action type, the less powerful it becomes. I, I know it's been uh, I was In Glenmore, the more you sell off a particular resource, the less gold you receive for it, which is also the same. We've in, definitely seen that in lots, yeah, clans of, lots of economic games have that. Lots of economic games. If you, you know, as the act, yes. the more you buy of an item, the less it is worth. Yeah. Uh, clans of Caledonia is the one playing the most yeah. right now. Every uh, time you sell a good, the price, or every time you buy a good, the price goes up. And every time you sell a good, it goes uh, up. Power grid. The more cities you power up, the less money per city you earn. Yep. Though you might not realize it, but yes, the math, the money actually goes down. It's that's one where you just look it up on a card and it tells you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you definitely get that. Uh, that is definitely a th- definitely a thing in economic games. Kalis XX, the more you deliver a certain good or you complete certain routes. Kalis Magna Carta, uh, early contributions to building the castle are worth more points than later as you, as the game goes on. 
I could probably get you a link to Caledonia. It's back in print now. <laughs> Board game collector. Each additional game in your collection adds less net new fun. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably true. Like I said economic games is definitely a thing in economic games. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's others. Engine there's builders. Where, where your points go down, right? Engine builders I, with... Uh, yeah, I'm, I am pretty sure. Uh, unfair and funfair. Like, yep. yes, there's a big jump when you get up to, like, ride number 16, 17, 18. But if I remember, it starts going down. Like, there's a, a perfect. And once you build, quite a few games are like, get so many points for one, two, three, four, five. But then after five, it's worth less. Like, like whatever. To be Fibonacci up to five, and then you just add one for each additional. Mm-hmm. I see that quite often. All right. I think we're going to call it. Ryan started asking questions a little too late, I think. <laughs> Because it is 10.45. We've been doing this for about an hour. We've covered a few different Kickstarters and other stuff. And I think we will move on mainly. I'm doing this because I'm out of coffee. And we're going to enter the coffee break anyway where we can keep kind of shooting the bull. But uh, as for answering official questions, I think we're going to call it at this point as soon as I can find my show notes because I know I wrote up an ending. (laughs) There it is. Remember, normally we spend this segment answering one of your questions. If you've got a game or game night question for us, head over to the website and click on Ask the Bellhop. And now the Bellhop's Tabletop, where we look back at the games we played since last episode. And I realize everything I just said, I should have waited so it wasn't in the part we cut from the show, because it was good info. So this is why you should join us live or become a Patreon patron, because then you get to hear what I just said that you should have heard that you didn't, or something like that. So two game nights since last time I sat down. Yes, I've been swamped with... uh, Black Friday, sale, holiday, cyber, whatever you want to call it, deals for the last little while. But before all this hit, we took a weekend off on purpose, tried to stay offline. And we part of that was a couple of gaming nights, starting with Friday with our friends Kat and Tori, where we played through the Aventuria Ship of Lost Souls short adventure. So the week previous, we had played through the long adventure, the three-act adventure of Ship of Lost Souls, and I had a great time. Um, so we're using the same characters, because our characters have, have collected some treasure and leveled up at this point. And we played through Retolts' Treasure, which is the name of the sword adventure. The weird part about that, and this is something we brought up when we did our Aventuria review that I don't think I've mentioned based on some of the other expansions, is time travel. I don't know what's with these adventures being set at different times. And it just totally breaks any suspension of disbelief. Not that there should be one in, a, in this, but it is based on RPG. So we look at it, and, we're in, and it always gives you the date before the, the adventure you're about to t- take part in happened. Well, the time on this one was 40 years before the long adventure. So I maybe we should have played this first? Or, I don't know. And that part's always just kind of weird. Like, when you actually look at it, and even in the core box... The three adventures that are in the, or the four adventures in the core box are all like 500 years apart from each other. And I'm like, I guess they're showcasing the rich history of Aventuria, because that's the name of the world in the Dark Eye. That's why this game's called Aventuria. So yeah, odd time travel things. So what we decided is that it was a flashback, that this was a, how our characters got involved in the later adventure, because what this did is it introduced the rules for the pirate treasure which is a big part of Ship of Lost Souls. It's, it's the new mechanic, a whole new deck of cards you get with a whole new system that wasn't in any of the Aventuria stuff. Well, you get to experience in this. And it was okay. Um, it was not many checks. There was an interesting, again, adding something new to Aventuria we've never seen before. There's a push-your-luck element, which I thought was really cool. And slight, very slight spoilers. 
Um, it makes perfect sense, but like the more treasure you grab, the harder your checks become because you're weighed down. So I thought that was really neat. And then, well, there's the Cursed Pirate treasure rules, which I haven't actually reviewed here. So I'm going to mention them because, again, I don't think this is a spoiler because it's in the rules section, not in the story section. You find a piece of treasure. It tells you where you found it, which is this cute little bit of flavor text. And then there's the curse. And every single piece of these pirate treasure is cursed. The curses range from annoying to absolutely horrible. And then under the curse is what you can do to break it. These range from very simple to that'll never actually happen in this adventure. If you manage to break the curse, you flip the card over and get some kick-ass ability. Well, actually, the abilities kind of range from okay to, oh my gosh, that's almost rule-breakingly awesome. But it's all based on how bad the penalty was and how hard it is to do. The big thing that matters for people playing through campaigns and why you might want to even just play this adventure is that if you uncurse a treasure, it's worth one XP at the end of the game. So you kind of, for leveling up your character, want to grab as much of that treasure you can, get it uncursed, and then get the XP for it. Now, what this does, though, is while you're playing, you now have something new to focus on. So there's like the henchman to fight, the leader to fight, the uh, who knows, whatever hero actions might be involved, because we've now seen the gamut of hero actions. And then you also want to make sure you flip all your treasure. So I thought it was neat. Like, it's definitely a unique, neat new mechanic interesting so that's that i the fact that they've they've given a sort of grindy xp earning option is is interesting and i wonder if that game breaks at some point i mean so the same thing we kind of noticed with it before the 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 plus one on one of your skills really doesn't matter at all in combat and unless that skill happens to be on that hero check card right so, and the most you can get is plus five to a skill, and you're only going up by plus one every time you get an XP, and, like, the most we've now seen is three in one adventure, and that includes pirate treasure that's all been flipped. Right. So you're not getting a ton, and honestly, it's one of the things I think is good in the system. So, so there's two sides to this, and I'm on the side that I think it's fine. The one side is your characters don't get a lot better, that leveling up really doesn't do much. Because the biggest thing is getting new cards in your thing, and that's through the reward system. And, well, that's not used here. Instead, you're just getting XP. Right. And the one thing I don't like, too, is the pirate treasure vanishes. Like, you don't get to keep the treasure. You, you've done the thing. You get the XP for it, turning it in at the end. But I get it, because combining this with some, like, say, Forest and a Return probably could have broke it. Right. But then there's the fact that I like the fact that the player who's played more adventures character isn't now at like level 12. And now I want to play a new character and we can't play together. You don't have any of that. Yeah. Like, yeah, that guy gets a couple bonuses on some skill checks, but you don't make a lot of skill checks when playing adventure. It's a lot more of managing your encumbrance and playing your cards and making attack rolls. Skill checks are kind of a secondary thing in the game in the first place. Fair. Yep. No, that makes sense. Now, what I will say is this adventure, the, the combat was, it was, it was boring to be honest. Uh, I think it's just that some of the Aventuria combats are so fascinating and so awesome. And while the other ones in the full act are amazing, like best I've seen on par with the Veil Dancer Hero Sets adventure, but in a totally different way. This was just like, there's a lieutenant, there's a bunch of henchmen, you need to kill everything before time runs out. And it was just kind of meh. There, oh no, you didn't have to kill everything. There, there was a time limit thing. There, there was a hero action. But now I've seen a hero action. This wasn't swing from the chandeliers. And yes, it did do something a little different. But just it wasn't wowing. And I think mainly it was like, okay, here's a fight. The main thing you're trying to do is get that pirate treasure flipped. 
Right. So I think that that's what they were trying to showcase with this venture. So my end recommendation is, and basically I just reviewed the whole dang thing. I don't know if we have to do a full review, is play that first. Because it introduces the new pirate mechanic and kind of gets you used to it before you have to play the much more difficult three-act adventure. Right. So that would be my recommendation. If you pick up Shikavala Souls, even even thematically, they happen chronologically in order. <laughs> Sorry. Chickafil soul. Chick- <laughs> no, we we don't mention that word, but what the hell auto translate? Where, where would that come from? Oh wow. <laughs> I don't even know what I said that it came up with that. Your you you your enunciation for ship of lost souls was lacking like- enough that I heard it and immediately looked to see okay, okay. what was coming up on the, the thing because I knew it was gonna say something. <laughs> ship of lost souls. September. All right, well, left, uh, what happened on Friday when uh, Kator showed up? So, yeah, that's, well, that, that was with, with Kator. So later, okay. after after playing that, um, we played Land versus Sea, three players. Uh, wow, three players is definitely more complicated than the other two. So one of the things that's required to play three players is you have to use two of the three optional scoring, and it's strongly recommended you use all. So you are going to have to know how reefs work. You're going to have to know how caravans work and you're going to have to be used to using waypoints before you play it with three players once you do play with three players is it ever weird so you have someone who's playing c you have someone who's playing land they only score completed land and c then you have the cartographer who is the third person cartographer only scores connected reefs and mountains so normally in the game the mountains are scored by the uh, land player and the reefs are court scored by the sea well now both of those are only scored by the cartographer then you have the standard caravan rules where when you make your first caravan by attaching either a shipping or whatever the the, the camels are called you will get two points for adding to a trade route normally at the end of the game you go how many camels are there versus how many boats and whichever has more scores so obviously the land scores the camels well if there's a tie now the cartographer gets the points the rest of the game is the same. Waypoints still work the same, but there is no waypoint for the cartographer. So land and sea are putting out waypoints. Whoever completes what they're on gets one point. Whoever surrounds them gets one point. So it's kind of another way. And interestingly, based on uh, talking to the designer, they said usually the cartographer will score up to 14 points just from waypoints, just from completing other players' stuff. So it's all the same, but it's not. And it's weird. And I got to say, I played the cartographer. Deanna's played the cartographer. And it's way more stuff. It just feels like there's more to watch for. So, like, you're like, okay, I, I got it. Especially as a cartographer, you're like, I don't want to close off land. I don't want to close off sea in general, unless I want to score the X's. But I also want to combo things. And then for the other players, they're like, well, yeah, I just want to build land, but I don't want to attach the mountains. And then the sea person's like, yeah, I just want to build lakes, but I don't want to attach the reefs. Like, it just adds a level to the game that I'm not saying was unwelcome. But it just, it, it felt very different. It felt much more fiddly, even though the components and basic gameplay were the same. Right. Well, that's interesting. And it's 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 odd to see a game that's that different, right? When you, when you just change yeah. the player, the player count uh, by one, uh, and, and all of a sudden the game is that notably different. Right. And I got to say, it's really easy to forget about one of the other players. 
Like, like whichever you're playing. If you're playing C, you're focused on C and not land. Or you're focused on the cartographer and you're not like one, both games. So one game, well, I'll get to that in a minute. I forgot it's split up. So in this game, I was the one playing the cartographer. I forgot I mentioned land versus C twice because I made some short notes here. Um, what I what I found was I was not paying any attention to what land or sea was doing. All I was focused on were the caravans and those reefs and those mountains. To the detriment of, I many times helped players, not by closing things off, but by limiting the exits, if that makes any sense. If you play the game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I'm like, you know, there's like three six C tiles here, and I'm putting down the one tile that makes it so they only need one more to close it off instead of needing two more. Right. Like, I wasn't silly enough. I didn't make the, the dumb move of, I'm going to close this off and give you points, but I made it much easier for them. Right. Uh, next thing we tried, uh, Deanna took a bit of a break at this point. Well, she took a break earlier to to get some work in because we are trying to get a bunch of sales out there. Um, we tried the new Galaxy Trucker. So first and foremost, it's Galaxy Trucker. It's still Galaxy Trucker. It is the base box of Galaxy Trucker. Um, the new 2021 edition does not have any of the new components or new aliens from the big box or another big box. You just have the core base game only. Um, you still have three ships, but they are actually different shapes. There is no optional four ship type. Now, what they have thrown in is a new learning mode. And basically, it's a learning mode specifically just to teach other players the game. That is super short and easy to teach, but really not a lot happens. So what it does is it shows off each of the different card types that you experience while you're traveling, but just has one of each. So it's like, here's some asteroids. Here's what open space does. Here's a pirate. Here's a scavenger ship. Here's some planets to land on. And here's a combat zone. I'm obviously missing two because I think it's only eight cards. When you play a full game, it is way more cards than that. So you're only going to see eight different cards. And it's maybe half an hour. So I'm like, great for, hey, come do this con demo. Like, that's what it felt like. It felt like I did a demo at a con. Right. To me, there just wasn't enough there to ever want to play a learning game again even though I have, because I've taught other people how to play the game, but just, I expected a little more chunk to it. Like I honestly, like, I think that probably is their con demo, except maybe they start with sparsely built ships. So now is it, is it worth that if you've got, you know, new players, is it, is it a benefit enough to, to play that, uh, that learning game? Or are you, you know, considering that you are a capable teacher and knowledgeable about the game already, is it easier for you to just play the game and teach it? So thinking about, I'm going to be with Tori and Kat. I think I probably should have jumped to a level one mission and played through a level one mission. Now we're going to jump back to this game. When I talk about our next gaming night, which was on Sunday, in that case, I'm glad I did the learning game. So I think it's going to be depending on who you're playing with, if they're used to it. If you are interested, especially if anyone's played the original, you probably can completely skip this. I don't see any reason to play through it. If you're like, oh, here's the new Galaxy Trucker, we're like, all right, let's just start on Mission 3 or let's let's do a full campaign run or something. What I do think it's good for is anyone who has never played a real-time tile-laying build-something game, which there aren't a lot of out there, but... I, th I think if someone's not familiar with those basic concepts of connecting tiles to make things match and valid and invalid connections and having to have, uh, like one of the things it does is it ditches the aliens and all it does in the rule book is it tells you it's future tech we haven't figured out yet. So that eliminates two of the tile types you don't have to worry about. 
so it's good that way because the rules for aliens and having to attach to a habitat, I have found people don't always get right away. Right. So I, I, I think it depends on how new your players are. Okay. If they have any Galaxy Trucker, like if they've seen the game, if they watched a video, you can probably skip it. Right. Okay. Well, there you go. Good to know. Next, Concordia. I finally got this back to the table. We have talked about this game a lot. It's been on multiple of our game recommendations lists over the years. And I am sorry to say it had been a long time since I played my copy. So every time I put it on a recommendation list, I'm slightly bit of trepidation going, is it as good as I remember? Like, is it really that good? Well, I'm happy to confirm that, yes, it is just as good, if not better than I remember. The box now, art this is was... still horrible. But... What's that? The box art is still horrible. Oh, yeah. it's <laughs> They've improved. This is brand new box art. I have the old box art. The new art's supposed to be better. I'm not sure why. <laughs> so, first time play for Tori and Kat, and Dee's not sure. <laughs> she thinks, I think I might have played this one before at, at, lo- at an event somewhere, maybe. But if it was, it was only once, so... Um, one of the things they tell you to do with Concordia is the scoring in this game can be opaque and get missed. So there is a thing in the game where it says, so, so the basics of Concordia is it's a, a action selection game where you have a hand of actions and they're all different. Like the, 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 the Tribune and the Mercator and the, uh, I'm totally blanking on the actual names of the card. So the, the colonist or whatever, and you're going to play these cards and do what it says in the card. And eventually you're going to run out of cards or you might want those cards back. So you want want to buy and sell twice. Well, you have a Tribune card. And when you play your Tribune card, you get all your cards back to your hand and you make money for every card that was on the table above three. So it's a good way to make money as well. Well, the teaching game in this is the first time someone plays their Tribune, after they collect all your cards, you do the end game scoring, even though you're not at the end of the game, just to get it across. Because the way this game works is every single one of those cards lists a different Roman god at the bottom of it. And at the end of the game, you go through the six or seven Roman gods that are in it, and each score is different. So like Minerva scores based on your endgame money. You sell all your goods, and you take your coins, and you add them up, divide by ten, and get one point. And then Ares is for every colonist you have out on the board. You're going to multiply it by three. And while the game way the game works is it's also a deck builder, and you can get new characters... Well, by getting new characters, you can get more gods. So you can end up at the end of the game collecting six Ares cards. So you're actually going to get three times your colonist times six. And most people completely miss that and get so involved with playing Catan, like just connecting routes and building cities and expanding out, that they don't pay any attention to what actual gods they have and what they're going to actually score. So that's why this interim scoring exists. And we did it, and I think it was well worth doing, because... There was definitely some eye-opening moments for people that were like, oh, okay, now I get it. So I, I do still strongly recommend doing that. Um, it's up to you if you want to give the bonus points. What it does is the person who gets first in intermediate scoring gets two bucks. And the person who gets second gets a buck, which is like so, like no game of Concordia is going to be won by those two dollars of that one dollar. So it's just a little advantage for being in the lead at that point. Game was great. Scoring is still rough. Like, like until you played this, this is a game. Like, even with intermediate scoring, you're probably going to do it wrong. Uh, for example, Tori did that did that Aries thing. Because he got the most points in the interim scoring because he happened to have three guys out 
So sorry, I shouldn't say guys. Three colonists out, and he had two Ares cards. So he like that was a massive amount of points at the beginning of the game. So he went all in. All I'm going to do is collect every Ares card, and I'm going to collect every person, which scored him a ton of points. But that's all he did. Right. So he didn't diversify enough or get into something else. Like you kind of have to combine the make lots of people with the hit every continent bonus or something. Yeah, it, game it, is still sorry. It's notable to say, I mean, it's it's a 3.0 uh, weight, but more notable than that is it was nominated as Advanced Game of the Year, Adult Game of the Year, Advanced Finalist. Yeah. You know, like the 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 game the the awards that this were up on sort of doubled down on the complexity that the weight indicates. Yeah. I agree. Now what's shocking is you were it, it's saying it's like this heavy complex game. The rule book is four pages. It's 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 one page, two sided, like one folded sheet, two sided, and that's it. That's a whole game. Because everything's on the cards. And it's actually a fairly easy game to teach, except for the importance of that scoring. And like getting across that. Also look at the gods on the bottom of your cards. And the interesting thing is the cards you draft, it may be the same action, but be a different god. So that's another thing to watch for. Like your Mercator here might be this god, and this Mercator might be a different god. I know it's still fascinating. I still love the game. That was the one that um, we are not getting together this weekend, but I kind of wish we were just to keep playing it and have them, Tori and Kat, try it a second time now that they get it. Right. But the big thing is I am so looking forward to trying the Salsa expansion. All these people have told me, not that the original game's broken, but there are a couple resources that seem to be unbalanced and a couple of the gods that seem like if you, you... Go that way and no one stops you. It can be overpowering. Supposedly Salsa fixes all that. So what I did do is after our game, I broke out Salsa just to look at it. And I've got to say, no one talks about this. Besides adding a wild resource, there's a whole thing with forum tiles and cards that actually looks rather complicated. And the rules for that are 25% of the full rules for Concordia, (laughs) just for this new forum thing. So I think there's a little bit more in Salsa than most people lead on. It's interesting. I, I was just actually glancing through the listing of games that were designed by Matt Gertz, the designer for uh, that. And his the, the, the lowest weight on anything of the 25 games and expansions he's done is a 2.8 on an expansion for Navigador. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. The absolute lightest he thing. Like, he likes entire, heavier games. He is definitely, uh, you know, up there when it comes to, to designing weightier games. <laughs> All right. Next up, Sunday Gaming at Brenda's. Uh, started with introducing the kids to Galaxy Trucker. Um, this was weird to me because I really thought my youngest would love it. Like, she's all about STEM and robots and programming and spaceships and space and NASA. And I thought she would love this game because you're building a spaceship like that's the whole point is to build the most effective spaceship and put guns on it and put thrusters on it and make sure you have room for cargo and she just did not like we played through the learning game and then we were going to play through a second game and she actually asked not to play the second game wow and i think it's just the fact she didn't do well um it's it's real time but the learning game doesn't use a timer but despite the fact where like take all the time you need I think she just felt stressed because other people were waiting on her. And I honestly think there were tiles she didn't understand, but she felt dumb and didn't want to ask for help because she felt dumb, which we were like, no, no, just ask questions. Like it just, we couldn't get across to her to ask for the help. So 
Unfortunately, that did not work out with her. Now, on the other hand, my oldest, which I had no clue if she would like it, loved it. And I honestly said, like, you are welcome to play this, but I don't know if you want to play this. It's up to you if you want to try it, because this isn't like anything else you play. Because this isn't like any game I've taught either of my kids before. She loved it. Uh, my mother-in-law seemed to enjoy it. We did do the learning game, but then we also played through a level two mission. So one of the things that has changed in Galaxy Trucker is the base way to play the game now is to select a difficulty of one, two, or three and play through one flight at level one, two, or three. There are optional rules to play through all three. So the original Galaxy Trucker was build a level one ship, travel, get your reward, Start from scratch, build a level two ship, travel, get your reward. Then build a level three ship, travel, and get your reward. That's now an optional way to play. The basic way to play is decide if you want a level one, two, or three difficulty one and go do it. And it was different. Like, we did the learning game in the level two mission, and there was a couple things. So the level two mission, you use the timer, the timer worked great. I don't know if I can, I don't think they changed the rules for the timer. So the way the timer works is that at any point, someone can flip the timer to start it. And then it counts down, but you can't flip it the second time unless you're done building your ship. So as long as everyone's building, the timer never runs out, which is something I appreciate about Galaxy Trucker. But once someone is finished, you can kind of make everyone else rush, but that timer's long. Like it's two or three minute timer. It's not like, boom, I flipped it. You got 30 seconds. Right. So the timer worked great. Um, You could peek at the cards. That part was cool. But then we did it, and you got a nice significant deck. I don't know. It, it was one level one card, two level two cards times four so 12 cards you were going through 12 cards and in the entire trip of 12 cards only two pieces of any ships were knocked off and i don't know did we just like have bad luck on our card well good luck i guess on our card draws like did they change the balance because normally galaxy trucker is this game where you rush and you build this ship and you try to do your best you can and then you go for this flight and you laugh about how terrible it goes and you're, you you have to laugh about the fact that this meteor came in and blew off the one connector that happened to hold half your ship that now floats off into space. And you're constantly getting raided by pirates and losing your cargo. And you're, you've managed to get back with just your cargo pod and one engine on the back. And that's like a triumph. We didn't get any of that. Like, literally, like, one little piece of my ship got blown off and one piece of Gwen's ship got blown off on the entire trip. Now, I don't know. Like, if the... Like, Maybe it was luck of the draw, but if if they did change it to make it so it's now less destructive, like if that's something new in the 2019 edition, is we made it the trip safer? I don't think I like it. That's interesting. It's like that's going to take a little more playing to sort of uh, figure out the details. I guess. Yeah, because because honestly, the fun of that game to me was always how like pushing your luck, right? Like how close can like how little of my ship can I make it back with? And this was like, we're coming back with fully formed ships. I'm like, where, where's the Galaxy Trucker and Galaxy Trucker here? So I don't know. It's a, it's going to take more plays. And what I do plan on doing at some point is a side-by-side -side comparison of the cards and see, how, did they change the actual deck mechanics in it? Because that will completely change my review of the new edition. It will no longer be, hey, look, it's just a new edition. It's cheaper. It'll be like, hey, look, it's an edition where you're going to make way more and it's way easier to succeed. And how you build your ship isn't quite as important, which I got to admit, I could see some people asking for. I'm sure there are people out there that hate Galaxy Trucker because they're, they'd spend all this time building the ship just to have it blow up. To me, that was the fun of the game. Right. 
Now, the next game I played, I didn't play but watched. I kind of alluded to this earlier. I let Gwen, Deanna, and Brenda try land versus three three players. Um, again, this went well. Um, there's definitely a lot to think about with three. The AP was a little longer. Um, the most amusing part for me is I think people are going to know what I mean by this, but the problem with this game as a watcher is the same problem people have when you watch people play chess. Have you ever watched people play chess and you're sitting there and you see the very obvious move that they should make and you're just like, just it's there, just do it. Yeah, that's why you should only ever watch grandmasters play chess. Yeah, because then you have no clue. Because <laughs> then you're then you're just going, oh my, wow, how did they, wow. Yeah, that does happen. But watching amateurs play chess, I should probably allude. To, so I was totally having that problem. I'm like, I'm sitting next to Brenda and I can see her tiles and I'm just like, but if you put it there, you can close the thing. How are you not seeing that? And I see her turn it and turn it and then turn it the way it would fit. And I'm like, where are your eyes looking? Because it's right there. So other than that, it played well. Um, everyone had a solid opinion of it at the end. Like I didn't do like a full interview, but I was like, what do you think? Everyone seemed to like it well enough. Um, at this point, we're pretty much ready to review it. We're, we're, I'm pretty much good to go. Um, probably would have done that today if we had more time. We'll probably co cover it next week. What I do still really want to do is play it on Tabletop Simulator with Sean. Um, probably a three-player game at least, maybe get in a couple two-player games. Probably a couple two-player games first to get used to this different ways to score. But honestly, like, just go buy this. Like, like it, it, it's the city building of Carcassonne without the fiddliness, with optional scoring levels you can stack on top that I would say bring it to a level of complexity above Carcassonne. So it's like Carcassonne light to a step above Carcassonne all in the same game plays. Honestly, we think the four player version is the most fun so far. That's what I've had the most fun playing two player works great and three, not my favorite way to play, but it works. Well, there we go. Then finally, I have my last game of the week, which is a three player game of shadow kingdoms of Valeria. I am still enjoying this one. Brenda enjoyed it a lot. Though she seemed to be a bit overwhelmed, um, especially as her first play. Now, this does use some new-to-her mechanics. Like, for how many games we have played with Brenda, I don't think she's ever played a dice-based worker placement game. So that made it a step above in complexity than I think we were expecting. Um, the surprise here, though, was that Deanna didn't enjoy it much. Which she has enjoyed all previous plays. Now, what she had complained is she felt rudderless. She just kind of felt like she wasn't going in any particular direction. And what she was doing was just kind of rote. It was like, okay, I collect the dice. I look at what, what, what missions there are to complete. And I look at my ability, which says I get bonus red dice. So I collect the red dice and then I go complete the mission. And then I go back out on the board and I collect more red dice and then I complete the mission. And then I get more red dice and I complete the mission. In the meantime, maybe I buy a couple heroes. Like it just felt kind of... I, like pre-planned in a way, because I, to be honest, I'm, I may start agree with her. Like the way I look at it, the game may not be as replayable as I thought, because it's just a matter of doing the same things over and over and that you might just be doing the same core loop. Like, and, and it's like Deanna saying right in the chat now, you do the thing, you do the other thing. Yep. Same as when I played this last time, which again, if they just put it asymmetric powers, I think that would have helped that. Um, what I do have, but that's is, also your solution for every game. So <laughs> I would definitely make it more interesting. Like, like right there, it's a, it's a look at that, how much the clans and clans of Caldonia changed the game, right? Throw something like that in here. And then it wouldn't be road. It'd be like, Oh, I'm playing the goblins. So I need to hoard lots of small dice. Oh, I'm playing the orcs. So I don't need like there would, there's, there's ways they could have done it in my opinion. 
Now, what I do have is I did get the Kickstarter version of this, which included an expansion. This expansion, I think, has five optional modules, and I'm starting to think those would help because they would change things up. And I got to say, this wouldn't be the first time Daily Magic Games put out a game that wasn't complete with the expansion. Like, remember Horizons, the 3X, 4X game? And then the 4X expansion, you had to add to it to complete the game? So I am thinking that's definitely what might be going on here. And I'm sad to say that the Shadow Kings of Valeria, the more we play it, the the less we're enjoying it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, for me, uh, one of the things we we talked we started talking about last week, just at the end of last week, was uh, they added Imhotep to yep. Board Game Arena. And while it is a very true-to-the-game <laughs> expansion, it is very obvious that we should not be playing this in our normal turn-based slow manner it is not a good game for that pace and it it is of fiddly the game like just let me click on a cube and click where to go like why does it have to give me a menu at the top and i have to choose get thing or get boat or get this like just let me I don't click know, on I my quarry to get stone or click on click on a boat uh, one of my stone and a boat to put it on the boat not click on at the top click on a stone then click on a boat like it's just i really hate how you do it even like when you choose ship boats you got to pick which boat and then where it's got to go like, I, just I, let me click on the boat and where it's got to go like that's how i would do it physically i would take the boat and i would move well, it I, it's yeah, i mean it's the same number of moves your job just no it's an extra click no, because there's at least one you don't extra click on, step. You don't click on the boat at all. You want to click on the boat, whereas instead you yes. click on the menu and click where you're going. Instead of clicking no, on the there, boat. There's something. I'm tempted to open it up. I swear there's one extra click in there. I don't know. I, I it hasn't that hasn't bothered me, but but playing it non real time oh, yeah. bothered me. I, it's it's just definitely like, not. Ooh, I moved a cube. Uh and now the other interesting thing is just today. Board game uh, arena, as usual, Wednesday is their announced mm-hmm. day. Announced Deus. Uh, that was interesting. And and I see. I accept games from our our friend on on BGA all the time, and most of the time it's just restarting a new game that is just finished. Uh, so I got myself into a game of Deus, and I have no idea what this game is. Uh, <laughs> I own so, it. It's uh, it's gonna be. This is gonna be a quick learning curve because this is uh, you know, with a so so the real basic thing in that is it's a card based engine builder where you're gonna put out different cards. I think it also might be Greek gods. I think it's different names of gods, but it's you stack the same cards and every time you add a card to the row, it gets better. Right. So it's all about completing sets to build an engine. So like now that I have three of these, I get three of this, which keys off this, that I now get two. So it's kind of like Gizmos meets concordia which it's definitely got that engine building i have not played my copy in a very long time it is one of the ugliest boards i've ever seen in a board game with the the weird ass teardrop shaped things for no reason that aren't are just bright colors for no reason yeah it'll be it'll be interesting uh again this is one i i may i may learn it uh i am finally doing better in our games of castles of burgundy well, once uh, you learn that you get a bonus for completing areas, that's a, that's a huge part of the scoring yeah, in that you know, game. I, I learned how to perhaps actually... the biggest part of scoring in that game. How to how to actually score? So uh, I'm finally uh, keeping up. If not, I, I was actually, I think I, at the end of the first round, I was in the lead. You guys have have since taken over, but uh, I, I had terrible dice rolls at the end of the last game. 
I, I am not doing enough mitigation when I play that recently. I got to start buying more yellow tiles that actually let me like plus or minus dice when I go to do stuff because yeah, I've yeah. been hurting for that. Absolutely. But yeah, that's it's solid. That that Castles of Burgundy is actually one of the most solid ones on board game arena I've played. I've been definitely enjoying our games of that. No, absolutely. And then my uh, my the the masks game I'm playing in has uh, surged up right now and is uh, just darn enjoyable. I I nice. just I'm really enjoying what preferring playing to running. Yeah, I am. Uh, I, I, part of it's part of it's group things, but uh, you know. It is what it is. So I, I, I we still want to play again. The game I was running kind of uh, petered off due to in conflicting schedule issues. Um, don't know what's going to happen with that one, but the one I'm playing is uh, again surged and uh, running right now uh, quite uh, well. Awesome. Alrighty. Uh, so what's uh what's coming up next week? What have you got? Uh, to look ahead. Right now, everything's on hold. Like like I'll be happy if we get in one game this coming week. <laughs> Um, I have still been taking my turns and frequently on board game arena, but that's about it. Um, somehow, if magically there's a lull in the sales, the main thing I want to do is get some unboxings done. We just got again Charter Stone. That should be a quick one though, because I don't know how much I can show off before <laughs> without spoiling anything. I think it's a lot of sealed boxes. Um, the there there's a particular publisher that's been really pushing me to get out content, so I would probably unbox their thing just to get it done. Fair. But other than that, yeah, I don't know gaming. We'll see. There, there's always a small chance there'll be a lull, but probably not. Now, a quick shout out and a thank you to some of our VIP guests, our Patreon backers. We greatly appreciate their support. Cat and Tori, we will be missing you this week. William Fisher, thank you. Danielle Thomas, always awesome to see you in the chat room. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Sean P. Kelly of the Excellent Gaming and BS Podcast, now on YouTube on Monday nights. Andrew Dacey, thank you, Andrew. Well, that was the double bell. That means my shift's coming to an end, and we're going to have to lock those front doors. Though the doors to the lobby are closed, you can always find us all over the web as Tabletop Bellhop. One word, you can visit our website at tabletopbellhop.com, find our podcast on your podcatcher of choice, and sign up for our newsletter at tabletop at newsletter.tabletopbellhop.com for weekly updates. As always, links down below. If you like the content we're providing, it would be awesome if you headed over to patreon.com slash tabletopbellhop and considered tipping your bellhops, which gets you access, I barely speaking, gets you access to awesome things like our private discord channel behind the scenes audio so you can hear the actual outtakes and not the ones we just leave in the show stuff like our sunday brunch and our coffee chat and even every now and then a free game well that wraps up the time we have for the show tonight for the lobbyists thanks for joining us and be sure to stick around and join us in the penthouse suite for the after show and stop by on youtube sundays for brunch for tabletop bellhop gaming podcast i'm sean and i'm mo thank you and game on. Find full reviews, show notes, and more at tabletopbellhop.com. Graphic design by Brian Weiss at RPG & Co. Music is Nimbus by Eveningland. The podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution license.